0: Hello there, I'm Mr. Beat, and this is 10 Questions. It's turned into a series, wouldn't you know? I did one of these with J.J. McCullough about a year and a half ago, and uh, I just keep doing it because I enjoy it so much. It's a great excuse just to talk to really cool people, Uh, a chance to hang out with my friends, because I don't really have much of a social life. So thanks for being here. How this works is you... Uh, in case you've never watched one of these before. Uh, I have come up with 10 questions to ask uh, Professor Dave, as he's known on online, and he has come up with 10 questions for me, and we're going to interview each other. We don't know our questions ahead of time. They are open-ended questions, so hopefully that will lead to a more uh, enjoyable conversation for you to listen to. They are okay, good. This, so the audio is working. Okay, and uh this will last a couple hours if i mean we probably won't have have much time to take questions from the audience because dave did tell me that he has to head out uh he has a young family to attend to uh in a couple hours so we will be as uh, a well-oiled machine as possible today but yeah so if you don't know who professor dave is uh i first met dave in 2017, uh, almost six years ago, it was at, I guess, technically uh, the second EduCon ever, which was is just a group of uh, edutubers that met up. Most of us at the time had very small channels, uh, Dave included, and we just kind of... But there were some random big-time edu- edutubers that showed up, like CGP Grey and... Derek from Veritasium and stuff like that. So it was really an inspirational. It was at a hotel across the street from VidCon. So this was in June of 2017. Uh, I was uh, immediate immediately impressed with Dave. Uh, the first thing that I loved about him, just chatting with him, was that he uh, didn't pretend to be anyone else. He's authentic, tells it like it is, and also was very helpful. Give me good advice, even though... He'd been doing it less than me, or a shorter amount of time than me. He had already learned a lot of tricks uh, along the way. So anyway, uh, we got along pretty well. We've stayed in touch. I've actually contributed to his channel. I wrote his economic series, and, um, you know, we've uh, enjoyed working with each other. And I can't believe we haven't done this sooner. So everyone, please welcome uh, Professor Dave. (laughs) uh wait so oh yeah you have your real name on listed there can everyone know your last name is that fine
1: yeah you had muted me there okay oh i oh sorry uh yeah i just go by dave farina i mean uh professor dave is like my channel and i call myself that on my channel but yeah then in general i'm just hey i'm dave farina
0: (laughs) dave farina uh, so weird yeah yeah. i know it's like people (laughs) call me matt beat sure yeah i I suppose I probably should do that though to avoid the confusion with, uh, you know, that other guy.
1: What uh, What advice were you talking about? I don't remember giving you any, any advice. Of course you
0: don't. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't remember this. No, we remember we were sitting at one of those round tables, and mm. uh, I had just met you, and I I think I didn't even really know much about your channel, but then I was just like saying, "Oh man, animations are so difficult. I really struggle with them." And then you're just like, "No, I actually have it." I mean, like because you were explaining to me how. It doesn't have to be as complicated. Um, people make it complicated, yeah. but especially with After Effects. But if you, mm-hmm. you could, anybody can learn basic animations on there. Uh, ultimately, I actually went a different route with my animations. I don't even because I'm a Mac guy. I use Final Cut Pro mostly, but I I, I use Mac. I'm a Mac well, guy. Well, oh, but use a but you still use Adobe, right?
1: Yeah, I use Adobe. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, actually, yeah. Well, I don't know why I said the Mac thing because my main program is still. Microsoft PowerPoint.
1: I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Yeah, I still yeah.
0: screencast my animations on there. <clears throat> I mean so.
1: it. I mean, what I do is largely just text and image based, so it's yeah. more or less the same. I just find the interface. I just find After Effects to be so easy to use, easier than PowerPoint. But um, yeah, and then you can use a little bit of motion if you want to. Although I think you can on PowerPoint too. I don't know. I'm not an expert on PowerPoint, but
0: yeah yeah no it's i am of course Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh no uh so i i something i didn't mention about your channel before we get into our 10 questions um you kind of do it all like in terms of content area like i know you you majored in chemistry right that was your degree Mm -hmm. Uh, but then i think you you branched out to other fields of science in the big early days like Was it physics and biology first? Yeah,
1: biochem, bio, physics, astronomy, math. I mean, stuff that I had studied and felt felt confident that I could explain well. Yeah.
0: And now it's like all of the above, right? You're trying to like cover... I heard you on a podcast one time where you said your goal is to like have basically like an encyclopedia of knowledge on your channel, like all subject areas. Yeah,
1: every academic subject there is. (laughs) Why not, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I... Uh, economics is what I helped you out with, but Mm -hmm. I feel, yeah, I, on my channel, that's definitely not the case. I'm never going to branch too far away from American history or geography or economics. Those are kind of my, cause those are the, those are the three things I studied in, Mm -hmm. in college. And yeah, but yeah, that's awesome. That's very ambitious of you i'm nothing
1: if not ambitious <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah well yeah for a while there you're releasing like uh five videos a week right you're you're only doing three a, a week yeah now.
1: i was hit, hitting five for a little while i pulled back to three and i've settled at three um which is still a lot but um
0: especially with uh two youngins a, at home yeah, yeah a couple
1: of kiddos so <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh,
0: all right uh i will start things off if is if that unless you want to start sure it no go ahead okay uh and if you uh remember last time we have a little ticker here so first keep us on track uh my first question is pretty broad actually um what would you, what no I'll go with this one actually yeah what motivates you
1: what <laughs> motivates me that's uh i would say there are two Equally correct answers. Uh one is money, obviously. Uh you, you greedy gotta... capitalist. I knew it. know no, it. <laughs> I mean, everybody's gotta make money. I got mouths to feed, so you want to mm-hmm. do something that is gonna be lucrative. And I mean, initially starting the channel was just I was just trying to find some passive income. I was in a touring band and I just thought uh we all were looking for passive income. And I thought if I can get a little bit of money passively from this channel, it'll make things less stressful you know we can play a lot of dates and not worry about uh, working um and then once it hit i realized wow like okay actually i could really 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 make a living off of this and then some so that's hugely motivating uh what i think what i'm really really happy about is that it happens uh what ended up being the thing that is most lucrative that i can do is also the thing that i am Uh, is is a thing that I feel that I'm really good at and something that is really necessary and something that is contributing to society in a a significant way in the uh, the sense that I help a lot of students uh, pass their classes. um, And then also lately with the debunking stuff, targeting misinformation, neutralizing it. um, So I'm motivated to make the biggest difference I can uh, in society, as, as I think are a lot of people. And I'm motivated to make as much money as I can, as I think everyone is. Um, so that's about it.
0: Yeah, I always uh, immediately, I, I it sounds better, but I always immediately, immediately gravitate to the word impact, like mm-hmm. to, to have a, as big a, of impact as possible. And I think our goals are similar in that we want to, you know, <laughs> make the world a better place. But well, of uh, course. also to do that, you have to... Uh, fight ignorance you got to fight bigotry you have to spread empathy teach empathy and i firmly believe that empathy is is taught uh so that's, that
1: last part's not my strong suit but <laughs> but i agree with you
0: that's related to one of my future questions here maybe i'll okay. ask that next but yeah sure but yeah uh i'm glad see like i said uh everyone he's a He's a straight shooter. Tells it like it is. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first question for me?
1: Okay, so I ordered mine pretty, pretty like, soft, you know, ramping it up. So look, toss this soft one out here. Uh, if you could travel back in time to see any three bands live, which would they be?
0: Oh, I have a music question for you, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're both musicians. We've yep. talked about this quite a bit. Uh, so as far as performances, uh, you know... I really think it would be cool to see the first time that John Lennon and Paul McCartney performed together. And uh what was it 1959 I think? The uh, Quarrymen. Yeah, yeah, the uh um I th- I it probably wouldn't have been that good actually. We just always romanticize these things, right. but uh
1: But it would be amazing to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would be for uh,
0: sure. And then I know it's it's cliche, but I, I still am a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. Like, I think that uh, he, I there, there are probably better guitarists than him, um, but he's still my favorite guitarist. And so uh, maybe... I think in a
1: guitarist poll, uh, like a poll amongst guitarists, he'd probably win, honestly. Yeah. Best ever.
0: But it's such a cliche thing to say. That's what I guess. What I feel like it's a cliche because he's the best. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying Everybody the Beatles were the that. best band ever. Yeah, yeah. They so, are. Uh, I don't know what specific show, but I, I would like to see. I would like to see him. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, he he died way too young. Um, and then uh, I honestly, my my second, my first favorite band of all time is Radiohead, uh, and I I have. Got to see them before uh, my second favorite band of all time is weezer i'm a big power pop slash emo guy and uh one regret i had was uh i never got to see weezer with the original lineup i've seen them three times after or with future mm-hmm. lineups but i really am a big matt sharp fan he was with the the band and the, the for the first two albums um is that original guitarist or who's that Yeah, he's an uh, original guitarist, background vocalist, and he Mm -hmm. ended up leaving the band after Pinkerton, the second album, and he formed his own band called The Rentals, which they still exist.
1: Oh, I like The Rentals. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't know. I did not know that that was a former Weezer. Oh, member. Yeah, I mean, like I, yeah, I don't have like encyclopedic uh, encyclopedic knowledge of all those bands, but yeah, (laughs) Weezer was my favorite band, like for a second, like senior year in high school. Yeah, and then I did like Rentals, Friends of P. Yeah,
0: they have a a song. like uh about Elon Musk that did pretty well a couple of years back but uh mm-hmm. anyway um just to see them in the early days um at some point I think would have been really cool maybe when they started out in Massachusetts um before they came out to California mhm so nice yeah what about you i got to ask you the same
1: sure let's just do all of each other's questions ourselves too uh <laughs> probably zeppelin uh yeah. early early 70s Zeppelin would be astounding. Uh, probably early Floyd too. Like not Sid Bear era, but like Full of Secrets era, like pre pre-dark side. Like around metal, that era.
0: Also um, early 70s. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. No, I'm yeah. a big, I'm a big early 70s guy, definitely. Um, also, Mahavishnu Orchestra would have been really mm. dope. Uh, or, or either that or um I'm a huge fan of like early '60s Miles Quintet, like uh, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Ron Carter, Tony Williams uh, lineup. I think pound for pound, that might be the best band of all time. Um, so it would be that, yeah. I need to I'd check like that some, out. Some jazz. Oh yeah, yeah. I've th- got a bunch of those records.
0: That's that's always been my the genre that I avoided too much was jazz and I finally started to get into it in recent years and but mm-hmm. still mostly like John Coltrane and stuff like that. Uh,
1: Coltrane's great. Yeah, yeah you kind of got to know where to go because like I don't know yeah some people think like it's like some people are like oh I don't like jazz but it's because they've heard like smooth jazz or something. Elevator music. Like, yeah it's like well that's not <laughs> come on like
0: yeah you gotta
1: listen to the good stuff man. <laughs> yeah you
0: gotta yeah. go to start, at least big band and 40s, 50s era. Um anyway, mm-hmm. all right. Well, moving right along. Uh we uh I don't know what direction I want to go though. Maybe we will we'll keep it music related now. Uh why not? Yeah, it's it's okay to mix up the order of your questions. Mm-hmm. All right, second question. And I if you don't have an answer for this, that's okay because it's actually I didn't again, these are you've never heard these questions. What's your favorite album from each decade going back to the 1960s? So your favorite okay. album of the 60s, favorite of the 70s, favorite of the 80s, et cetera.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my See, God. I know. Oh, my gosh. And while um, you're thinking,
0: yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll say mine while you're thinking, because that's a... That's a...
1: Okay, yeah. You go, and then okay. maybe that'll trigger something. Uh, uh,
0: for the 60s, I would say probably Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Um A lot of my music actually is very heavily influenced by the Beach Boys. Uh, 70s, Dark Side of the Moon, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pink Floyd. And 80s, I honestly had a hard time with the 80s. I always struggle with this. Um, But because I still listen to it all the time, and it's kind of a guilty pleasure, uh, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, I just feel like it's something that everybody can love. And uh, I don't know. And then I'm a little embarrassed to say that one though. Uh, '90s, Weezer's first album, Blue Album. Mm-hmm. Uh, the '00s, I would say, probably Sufjan Stevens, Illinois. I'm big. I'm a big Sufjan Stevens fan. And then the '2010s. Uh, I think this this technically came out in the '2010s. Uh, M83, Hurry Up, I'm Dreaming. Okay. Uh, big fan of that album. Okay. Nice hopefully that was enough time to inspire yeah (laughs) i
1: mean okay so i don't know there's some easy one okay so 60s you're probably gonna yeah maybe i mean pet sounds is incredible probably i'd pick a beatles record i flip flop on my favorite beatles record all the time right now i think why say rubber soul i think rubber soul might be my favorite beatles record it's a good one but like abbey road i mean you know this how are you gonna pick a favorite beatles record
0: No
1: um yeah, seventies. Yeah, you know, dark side stuff like that. I'll go with like, um, uh, yes, close to the edge, is uh-huh. a record that really had a profound impact on me. Okay. Uh, listening to that as you know, I got into that when I was like eighteen, I think, and uh, it just like, whew, um, and I think that was like seventy two or something like that. So I'll say that one. But obviously, there's so many classic rock and progressive rock albums you could choose. i don't know so i don't like 80s music like what you would call a genre of 80s music but that doesn't mean that there wasn't lots of great music going on in the 80s what is something that like is kind of 90s ish but started in the 80s like i'm trying to think what's a genre
0: well like the uh, I would, I always say the Pixies, as far as like, yeah. they paved the way for alternative rock as a whole genre, like uh, yeah, and, and grunge and or
1: Talking Heads or something or yeah, yeah, something in there. Yeah, it's hard to. I can't. It's it's hard to pick one. In the '80s, I mean, you could even talk about like Metallica and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not like a I, I mean, I used to when I was younger. I used to really like those first couple of Metallica records. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like Nine Inch Nails got started. Uh, You know, Trent started in the 80s, I think. I think Pretty Hate Machine was, like, 88. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, industrial stuff. There's just, like, a lot that, like, got... It was a little more amorphous as opposed to the 90s where it's like, okay, we have a genre that defines the 90s, you know. So, 90s, I would have to go something grunge. Um, It may be Soundgarden, Super Unknown. Maybe, I mean, you know, Nevermind is a freaking... I mean, how can, oh, uh, but I—I I think no, I think I would go. Okay, computer.
0: Uh, that's my second favorite '90s album. <laughs> okay,
1: computer is another one that just like I think I heard that for the first time. I might—I must have been in like seventh grade or something. I was—I was probably like twelve, so yeah. I was just getting into cool cool music, and that one in particular, I remember not really being sure what it was all about, but I'd heard it was popular. And I got it the you know at the Sam Goody or whatever. And I remember listening to that like on my little disc man. Like I think we were on vacation, so I was like in the airport or something. And you know how like okay computer like the 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 record cover. It's all about like it's got all that that hustle bustle all over it. And I was like in the airport, kind of like feeling like that too, and just like that first time airbag hit, and I was like. Okay, I don't fully understand this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember. I remember exactly where I was when I first listened to Kid A. Um, uh huh. I, I was actually on the bus, and I was just like, I didn't like it, you know, because it was so mm-hmm. different. And they they kind of for. And then over time, I was like, this is one of the best albums ever, you know. But, yeah. Uh, any anything that really kind of challenges your tastes, but then. It, it, ultimately is like
1: yeah and now i'm obsessed with kid A- i mean yeah. yeah radiohead just blows my mind in that sense that they kind of are the only other band that has matched the beatles in the sense of their discography being this incredible linear journey that if you follow them you know if you look at like pablo honey and then like the ben's And then it just very gradually ramps up in terms of, like, how experimental, how avant-garde, but yet always retaining. Like, not avant-garde for the sake of avant-garde, like, genuinely pushing the forefront of music, but still knocking out these songs. I mean, Radiohead is, yeah, Radiohead is one of my top bands of all time, for sure. Uh, The Aughts. I want to go something synth-pop, because that's, like, one of my favorite genres but postal i don't know.
0: service maybe give give up postal service I i'd
1: see postal sir i mean it's like yeah that one song is good
0: <laughs> oh i love I, that whole album i don't know <laughs> i
1: mean and i like death cab too but no that wouldn't be i mean like when were those first few lcd sound system records i think it was oh yeah those yeah that really was in else. there so i'm a big yeah i'm a big lcd sound system fan now i wasn't aware of them at that time um so maybe something like that i don't know i I love mgmt passion pit like all that stuff so that was like kind of the genesis of that genre so something around there the teens i'm i I, the older i get the worse i am with current music so i think i was already bad at current music at that time
0: that's everybody yeah it happens you got to kind of force yourself and i i uh i struggle with this too but what really helps me kind of keep it you know fresh with uh is just going to spotify and and really right. the discover weekly playlist it kind of forces me to listen to newer stuff yeah but then there's like songs on there it's just like 10 years old i'm like oh this just came out oh it came out 10 years ago because i feel like right. the last the last decade or so music doesn't yeah uh, it seems like it, it's fresh you know like it's all yeah uh,
1: i mean i remember listening uh, to stuff in the tour van and i still consider that to be recent but that was like 8 or 9 years ago like I like the second to last Tame Impala record where they where he shifted more like more electronic influenced and everyone was like oh I liked Lonerism better it's like no man this one's better this one is better um that that was a great record uh and then the 20s I don't even I have no idea what's happening right now I have no clue <laughs> I have no idea what's your music
0: right everyone tell everyone yes. your uh, your band S- the
1: simulated sun ep actually that came out in 2019 oh man that was so long ago <laughs> yeah i have a project called simulated sun um so i mean i was i've always been a drummer in all my bands uh but then when i i was in a band called the lonely wild which was starting to do pretty well but then it ended up not working out so after that i was focusing on the channel and i knew i'd come back to music when i had a little bit more means um you know some funding and everything and so uh yeah I started a channel called simulate or a band called Simulated Sun but it's uh so now I'm fronting it so I play synth and uh you know arguably sing lead I think I'm going to maybe shift that over to somebody else and sing backup but um yeah I write everything it's super uh synthy oriented um like vintage futurism meets you know, like retro futurism meets genuine futurism like i'm kind of trying to confuse you temporally like generally futuristic but you don't know whose future it is kind of um (laughs)
2: uh
1: yeah i just love like space and tech and uh prog and psychedelia um and groove oriented music so it's like synth poppy synth pop electro rock stuff uh so yeah got a few music videos up on youtube if anybody wants to check it out (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'll put I'll put a link in the description later but um, I I'm very I, my music's very synth heavy too because keys has always been my main instrument and that's mm-hmm. I mean I took 8 years of piano lessons so that's kind of how I write songs mostly cause, I mean you can also there's a little bit more uh, flexibility with creativity I think because a lot of times when you write a song with a guitar it's like four chords, you know? It's mm-hmm. like you got the hook And then there's just the only real difference is the melody or the melodies, yeah. Sure,
1: yeah, and I don't even know how to play guitar, so yeah, I I I differentiate myself that way. I write either at a synth or at the computer using VSTs, and I find like a cool like arpeggiated texture or something that inspires me, and then I'll like work around that, you know. Uh, But yeah, usually just on a synth and find a cool thing. I'm kind of over the the thing. The thing is that like. Uh, I know there's still good guitar driven music being made, but I think culturally as a whole, we're we've shifted past that. Like it's not really about guitar driven music anymore. I think that synth driven music, synth led music. So like I still really like guitar, but I like guitar. Like the way I utilize guitar uh, in my tunes is I like like as a rhythmic instrument, like the way like James Brown would use it or something, or just yeah. as this like weird textural, thing a lot of like mm-hmm. scrapes and noise and just kind of volume swell to it um just like different ways uh and, and occasional lead lines but definitely not like guitar forward music I, I write synth forward music for sure
0: yeah uh i wonder if we're losing some of the audience with our door okay let's get me- th- music talk You're like what these are these guys are educators not. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that's 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 cool though uh okay your turn
1: i can switch it up a little bit here so my second one is if you could live for a year in any historical period which would it be
0: somebody asked me this before i don't remember who it was um i always gravitate towards the the 1960s uh there's something about it's just just a really exciting time but it's also not too far back where you know, you still got at least some creature comforts. You know, the technology isn't too <laughs> antiquated, right? Yeah, like uh, and also I, uh, I'll never forget watching uh, there was this show I don't even remember the name of the show, but it was it starred James Fra- Franco, and it was about him like preventing the uh, assassination of John F. Kennedy. And uh, oh yeah, I never I only watched a couple episodes, but I was thinking about it a lot. Like, wow, I think I might want to do that. Uh, and one thing that stands out that in the pilot episode of that is how he goes back, and it's like a phone booth or something. Is this Anyone in the comments, if you know the name of the show, go ahead and shout it out. James Franco. He goes back to the 60s. Anyway, he's, he goes back and he's like, the food tastes so good. And I really think a lot about that because my parents used to, they tell they tell me like, oh, yeah, McDonald's actually you know, the, they used to actually have real hamburgers, you know, it wasn't processed in a lab somewhere. Yeah. It was like, uh, I, I think even a lot of people don't really truly understand that these these days that like a lot of fast food isn't real food. <laughs> it's yeah. processed so much. And so something like that, but also like just the actual events of the time. Um, and now that we know that it, I mean, back then it, would, it would, would have been terrifying. I guess a lot of people are terrified these days. Like, would they think that, uh, World War III is always eminent. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah,
1: yeah. No, it must have felt really special. It felt like a cultural shift, a really big cultural shift, which in- inevitably was squashed by the excess of the '80s and who knows whatever CIA activity. <laughs> but uh,
0: well, the yeah, yeah the r- kind of neoliberalism reaction to it, because the '70s, the direction things were going was kind of crazy. Like it was very forward thinking like mm-hmm. society overall was very forward thinking in the seventies, but then that backlash was harsh and we never kind of fully recovered from that. And
1: I agree. Reaganism took its toll.
0: Yeah. Like it's, it's funny. Cause like, I always say I was, I'm a pretty big av- advocate for market driven economies, but at the same time, like the pendulum went to the, like an extreme like uh even when Jimmy Carter was in there in the late 70s there were legitimate reforms that needed to be made in terms of uh deregulation and uh especially with central banking and all this like oh the uh we need to rein in inflation obviously and so more conservative uh for lack of a better word type um economic policies are needed but what happened with with Reagan and uh his followers and it just went to the extreme. And it's... Uh, I the know The
1: corporatocracy we have today.
0: Yeah, like to a point where unions lost all their power. And and I used to deny all this when I was younger, by the way. If you would have met me 20 years ago, I, I mean, I was a very... I was pretty far to the right economically. But over time, as I've learned more about it, like, yeah. Especially considering, like, I mean, you're not that much younger than me. Uh, our whole lives... I mean, you look at all the data and you adjust it for inflation and uh, wages have been stagnant. People deny that. No, Mm -hmm. they've gone up. But if you actually adjust it for inflation, and I always say the only reason why we haven't had like full on revolution and chaos in most Western countries is because stuff has gotten cheaper overall. But now that's not even happening. And so that's why I think in particular, the 2020s are a restless time. And I think we're going to see some pretty dramatic changes in in the next few years. A lot of people don't see that. I I think it's coming. I think we're going to see. And it... I hope so. It's not just on the left. It's like you even see like on the right, Trumpism tapped into something that's not all bad. I think there's some good there in terms of like, this whole anti-eliteism, I think that's a, a net positive because the elites got a little bit too comfortable.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, um, anyway. Yeah,
1: just uh, expressed by the wrong person who is himself an elite yeah. and uh, a demagogue. A demagogue. He <laughs> yes. took
0: advantage of him. He <laughs> lied. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I I agree the discontent. Uh, but I think just as uh, they, they keep shoving iPhones in everyone's hands and distracting them, you know, as long as there's enough twerking going on on, on the TikToks and the things, uh, you know, <laughs> I think that is uh, suppressing any kind of, uh, but, but, you know, I don't know. Gen Z seems pretty politically motivated and smart, I think. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Cognizant. We'll see. we'll see what they do. <laughs>
0: dang millennials uh, all right uh, so yeah let's see what relates to that let's see uh okay i'll just ask this one um thinking back about your own life uh how did you learn how to think critically like was this something that you were taught or do you feel like you just kind of over time learned how to do it
1: wow learned how to think critically i don't know that i ever i i don't even know that you can teach or learn well i mean i think you can learn it i don't know that you can teach it i mean i think it's just something i mean i was really into like blocks and puzzles and stuff as a kid i've just always had like an organizational analytical mind i have fairly mild ocd so I just uh, had a very meticulous way of looking at things. I think I've always been hyper-analytical and a critical thinker. I I believe so.
0: Do you think curiosity yeah. kind of underlies that? Do they go hand in hand? Because I always I think about how the lack of curiosity in the world today, I think, is a big yeah. problem.
1: Yeah, you don't figure out how things work unless you want to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, my family is, is pretty science oriented. I mean, in particular, my dad is a chemist. So yeah, there was definitely some talk, you know, in the house of like, what do you, how does that work? How, what do you think? What do you think about that? What's going on? And you know, what's your opinion about that? And kind of get, get the wheel spinning a little bit. What is fire? Is fire alive? How, wh- tell, why isn't it alive? Explain to me why it's not alive. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Just I like, did not oh. have
0: that growing up. I did not have that. <laughs> not I a didn't... lot
1: of it, but uh, like, uh, you know, sometimes.
0: I had, you believe this and right. that's all, that's it. <laughs>
1: I will say, I mean, um, you know, being a parent now as well, it, it helps me really put things into perspective. And like the, the faults that my parents had, it's just so much easier to forgive them for them. Uh, But one thing they knocked out of the park was just, you know, they grew up in Italy and they had religion. I mean, not shoved down their throats as much as other families, but it was very prominent and they rejected it for the most part. My dad in particular, uh, you know, around early teen years was like, "Nah, atheist. Um, And so when, when we were born, me and my sister, there was just no. It wasn't like you don't. You know, it was. It was just a vacuum. It was just a vacuum from which I could piece together my own worldview from my own experience without any kind of pre-existing layer or logic, just put in as as a foundation or a baseline that I then later had to undo or work against. You know, I think a lot of people that are that are grown up that, that grow up with some kind of indoctrination, like they'll always, always like you ever meet somebody that has become incredibly secular, but they still view the world through this like Christ lens. You know what I mean? They still try to find ways to find divinity and, uh, and divine purpose and all these things. And which is fine. Mm -hmm. Everybody can do whatever they want, but I just, I'm grateful to never have had that instilled in me so that i can be sort of a free agent and 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 view the world with a lot more objectivity um yeah that's been helpful
0: <laughs> yeah i know it's interesting i definitely was heavily indoctrinated growing up and but i think what kind of kept me i mean i was raised the same way as my brother and sister my younger brother and sister but they have remained very religious uh and i I wonder, like, wh- why am I different? Why am I different than them? You know, I if if it's so much about our environments. Um, so I just I, I always think about that, like, why? Because it would make my life a lot easier if I just believe the same exact things as my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for many years, I pretended to, <laughs> I pretended to agree with them on stuff just because I didn't want to see yeah. them upset. You know. Um, but yeah, I, I think what kind of keeps me. me what really keeps me going is the, is the fact that I'm just never fully satisfied with any answer. And I, I think that helps me with my own videos too, probably with you, right? You just like, you know that you're, you're never settled. You like, there's always more. Oh yeah. As a
1: generalist, <laughs> I am acutely aware of how much more there is because I'm constantly interfacing with topics that I know very little about.
0: Generalist. Yeah. That's like, I never really heard yeah. someone call themselves that.
1: I'm a generalist. Yes.
0: Could you define that, like, because?
1: So I go broad, not deep, right? I, I'm trying. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not uh, interested in specializing, right? The traditional academic route. If you go through all the way and you get a doctorate, you end up being a, a, a leading expert in this unbelievably thin sliver of the pie right you're specializing uh in a subdivision of a subfield of one area of science you know (laughs) what i mean you know so much about one tiny 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 little thing whereas if i'm interested in being a social commentator and a science communicator and a futurist and like somebody that can look at broad scale social problems you're going to want to be a generalist you're going to want to be able to synthesize information from disparate fields any problem that has societal relevance is going to be interdisciplinary, right? Even within science, something like climate or whatever, it's, you're, you're looking at aspects of geology and ecology and physics and chemistry. So I want to have a working vocabulary and a baseline understanding of all of these areas. And that's part of why I'm doing what I do with the, with the channel, because even when I hire people to write me ec- ecology content or geology content or things that I don't know about, of course, I do not become an expert in those areas. Far, far from it. But I still am having an expert write me scripts, which then for my work, which I make money doing, I have to read the scripts, um, edit them to fit my voice. Uh, then while I'm animating them, I must comprehend it in order to adequately uh, illustrate it. Uh, and then, so I, I it, it is seeping in. Uh, obviously, not all of it. I don't retain all of it, but I just get a sort of a vague uh, understanding, or I, I just at least enhance my worldview. And I de- am developing sort of just this broad spectrum of of understanding, with all these little gaps that just slowly get filled in by little things. So I, the goal is over the next decade or two to become a really powerful generalist, a really formidable generalist that can look at any social issue and you you know without without being an expert in any one area being able to synthesize a lot of data and then if you have further questions you're like okay i understand all this this is a little unclear uh i'm going to talk to an expert in this field so i can get more clarity about this but if you are if you're a specialist you're just anything outside of your specialty you're essentially lost you know what i mean what does an astrophysicist know about biochemistry nothing (laughs) essentially nothing usually uh so
0: I think I think uh first of all t i l I'm a generalist as well i I, mm-hmm. I never realized I was uh but second, I think most edutuber educators in general uh kind of strive to be generalists because what we specialize in is communication uh that's that's basically I think a lot of there's this misconception uh, a lot of our viewers have of us like, oh, you're so smart, you know a lot about a lot or whatever mm-hmm. not really. Uh, mo- uh, like I-, I would say even like history too. And first of all, history is the quickest way to learn anything, which is why I love it. Generalist, hello.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, like, I'm not I always say I'm not an expert on pretty much 99% of historical content. Uh, I get annoyed when people are like, Oh, you, uh, you have a master's degree in history. Tell me about this thing about greek history i i don't know greek history right yeah it's just
1: uh, too much to know yeah it's like yeah, yeah same with science they're like oh blah 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 random science fact i don't know i thought you were a science guy I, you're supposed to know that so, <laughs> you don't nobody knows all the science it's impossible yeah. so
0: i've seen a lot yeah. of people talk trash about you online about say he's not a real professor because i think mm-hmm. they have this misconception that in order to be a professor you have to have a phd or something but they don't even look up the definition of professor like you're a communicator, you know yeah. how to communicate this stuff.
1: I mean, there's so, I mean, yeah, obviously I get this every single day and it's annoying yeah. as hell, but I mean, there's so many layers to it. Like, first of all, yes, you don't need a doctorate to, to be a professor. There's plenty of professors, with the master's degree, but yeah, no duh. I'm not a professor. I'm a science communicator. I do this full time. I make online make YouTube content full time. I used to teach at a university uh, and when I started my channel, it was my university organic chemistry lectures delivered yeah. to camera. That's why <laughs> I chose that name. I was like, you know, it's and it's clearly tongue in cheek. It's Professor Dave. It's like it's just, uh, but it's you know the idea that it is this far fetched name for the channel is ridiculous. It's just uh,
0: maybe I should change my channel name to Professor beat. so people stop mixing me up with the other guy. Mr.
1: Beast. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> mm-hmm.
0: Okay, it's your turn for a question. We'll keep okay. it going here. <laughs>
1: Uh, okay, do you regret making any video that you've ever made?
0: Ooh. Huh. Maybe. Uh, not really, though. If I were to, like, if I was forced to choose one that I was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have, uh, probably that, that anti Semitism one that I made that just kind of attracted a lot of hate. Like I yeah. got so much hate for that, and um, you know, I I try to be impartial. I actually I made everybody mad. I uh, <laughs> my wife had a friend who was Jewish who was mad at me because they I used the term Jew. I, I, apparently, that's offensive to some people. <laughs> and uh, and then of depending course depending on context, yeah. Yeah, and then I had people that said, oh, you know, going on and on about Palestine and um, the uh, the suffering there, and I'm just like, well. I mean, more than one thing can be correct at the same time, but obviously the mm-hmm. majority of hate came from uh, the people that are anti-Semitic, and uh, I, I guess it's just you know you actually read your comments, and I I kind of do too. sometimes when I'm in the Very right reactive in there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I think a lot of people think we're crazy. Like, why would you read your comments? And I'm just like, well. Um, we are nothing without our viewers like the, the that's why i'm kind of checking the chat out right right now i'm reading those those comments uh you know soup frank baron says soup i read them uh because c- a lot of times i learned from them yeah um but in the process you kind of you're exposed to that and it really does psychologically um damage you over time and i think it you seem to have a thicker skin for that, though. Well, I, from I to do,
1: <laughs> I do, but also you get numb to it. I mean, you yeah. can only get called these names so many times before you're you're dull to it. Um, but uh, yeah, similarly, yeah, it's just, um, I mean, it's it's really on another level. It's gotten worse and worse every year. Uh, my channel, it's because I debunk so many things, I attract so many subcategories of lunatic. Um, it's just an infestation every day
0: on my channel. I'm sorry, this wasn't my ten, one of my 10 questions, but can I ask you just real quick? Um, <clears throat> yeah. What, what group is the most vicious that comes after you that you've attacked or that you've, not uh, correct, debunked? Right.
1: So uh, definitely by far, I mean, to answer my own question, similarly, when you said it was because of the backlash, the only, I don't regret it, but the little bit of content I made on the trans stuff...
2: uh,
1: attracted for the first time the like alt-right incel community and they were so much worse and more depraved than flat earthers and like flat earthers look cute to me after what that was that was that was a period of about a month about a month where i was getting called a pedophile literally every three to five seconds just over 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 pedophile groomer all this stuff just like the amount of hate like i've got a really thick skin but this was like holy crap this is that's like, why
0: you turned off the comments on that one video yeah on both yeah. of them yeah oh
1: cuz i just don't want to deal with it yeah <sighs> why should, why why do i why am i a slave to what you want to do on my front lawn you know what i mean why should i let you defecate on my front lawn this is my property no i'm putting a fence go away i don't care i don't care what you say about my credibility oh you know no i turned them off because i got tired of dealing with this barrage and then obviously they many fewer of them but a percentage of them all go to other content and spew their hatred there so So you turned
0: your comments on the other video you must not want to engage yes no you're you're being harassed
1: (laughs) i'm being harassed yeah it was just like bananas (laughs) so
0: sorry you had to go through that
1: I mean, in the end, does does it really affect me? No, not not in a. Well, it
0: can. I've gotten a death threat. I've had a. I've had a yeah. reported to the FBI.
1: I've got I've got a couple of those. Yeah. Did you report one, it to the one, FBI? I well, I went to the. I got one by text. Uh, a, a very serious threat, and I I reported it to the police station. I don't think they did anything. But.
0: Uh, you got a family, man. You got a. I, I get know. why you're very secretive too. Like I I like. I, uh, my years ago, like seven, eight years ago when my kids were really little, uh, you know, they were a couple times that I had them in videos and like, I didn't think anything of it yeah. over time as my, and I had like, you know, 300 subscribers. It wasn't a big deal, but right. I don't do that anymore. uh even yeah. when I, they are in the video, I make sure they're kind of like, they're not in the shot. And I,
1: my wife is pretty firm on that. She's like, absolutely not and and yeah. you know when rezo asks to have his own youtube channel like like maybe no you know what i mean
0: yeah which i can, don't know you can you can show it to your like family yeah Or you know, like little pretend channel, which is kind of what we do. Like, (laughs) yeah,
1: I don't know. Like Will Rhea says, like I mean, he may never want to, so who cares? But it's just like you know, every kid wants to be a YouTuber now. (laughs) We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But but yeah, for for now, like yeah, most people don't even know that I have kids or a wife or anything or family. You know, I mean, I I I say it in an interview or anything, but I definitely don't like. Here's my family. Like I just no, this is my professional life. Yeah.
0: Definitely, I get that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, is it your turn?
1: I think it's yours. I this was the uh, regret. Oh, okay, your, it is. Yeah. You're right. So on to four. On to number four.
0: All right. Well, um, we'll stick it with stick it. Why did I say that? We'll stick with uh, kind of your your own life, I <clears throat> guess. Um, this is actually from Mrs. Beat. Um, she wanted to know. <laughs> what kind of student were you in in school growing up uh, also kind of related were you like a were you a geek were you a punk goth uh jock skater you know
1: okay yeah definitely <laughs> not a jock i mean i was a swimmer i was a swimmer ah. c- competitive swimmer my whole childhood age 7 through college i swam in college too i not know that yeah uh but that does not qualify one as a jock like i was even captain of the swim team but nobody cared <laughs> it's not popular uh yeah I was like you know all state and all conference stuff nobody nobody cares zero popularity points for (laughs) (laughs) for being captain of the swim team um no I was not I I I think I so okay academically speaking through high school I was a very diligent obedient student I mean I found school as a kid to be super duper easy so it was I didn't think it was that hard but I was definitely like a straight a student socially speaking um I had I definitely um I, I'm very much a late bloomer in every sense of the term. So as like a young kid, I was very small, very late. Um, and my social skills were very late to develop. So I definitely had a tough time. Like middle school was a nightmare for me. <laughs> it was horrible. And then we moved to a new town in Connecticut, uh, called Wilton, Wilton, Connecticut, like the day before I started high school. So I went to a new high school, which was a way better area and way better school and everything, but I knew zero people. And, uh, uh, so like on like the second day, like somebody sat with me at lunch and I was like, Oh, thank God somebody sat with me. And it was like the first people I met were like this sort of kind of gothy, not full goth, but they were like super into I mean, like I was wearing a rage against the machine shirt. And so he was like, hey, that kid's cool. Let's see what that kid. And so that was definitely my identity. I got like super into like corn and bands like that. And so I flirted with like almost goth. Like I almost started wearing like a wristband or something when I was like 14.
0: Spiked wristband.
1: Yeah. I all I thought of, I contemplated it, but I didn't do it. And then from that point on through high school, I was just like amorphous. Not like I I wasn't like a a category. I was sort of shy and, like, because I didn't know people. Yeah. It took until my senior year for people to even, like, know who I was uh, because I would do comedy stuff with this – a friend of mine. And so we would do dumb little sketches and stuff. And, like, we ran for senior treasurer and secretary and put up dumb posters and wrote each other's speeches and, like, made a whole farce of it. And so – Uh, to to, (laughs) surprisingly people actually thought we were kind of funny. So like, that was the first time I was like, Oh, whoa, like I can get people to like notice me and like me this way. So, uh, so that, that changed everything, but then, yeah, so that was high school. And then in college I became, I demoted myself to like a straight B student because I was so obsessed with music and, um, exploring other things. So yeah, I was so heavily focused on music that I just studied barely hard, hard enough to get B's. And that was, that's how I did college. Yeah. So.
0: All right. Let's yeah. I learned a lot there. Um,
1: <laughs> very detailed answer. Th-
0: uh, thank you, Andy, by the way. Um, yeah. I, I never really fit into a category either. Um, I loved corn in high school. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us I did. We, we're very similar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also the whole like. You know, there's that show Freaks and Geeks, the Apatow show. Geeks. Yeah, like those are, those are my the people I usually hung out with, both the, the freaks and geeks, but I also was technically a jock because I played soccer. I was on the soccer team. Okay. Played tennis and uh so I kinda moved I was a chameleon of sorts, moved around. And what's funny is that Shannon and my wife also same thing. Like we, we felt like we didn't really fit in completely with any group and I think
1: Oh, you met in high school?
0: Uh, we met in college. Okay, but she was, it was very similar um, in terms of like she was a cheerleader, but also at the same time hung out with the freaks and geeks like mm-hmm. like I did. So yeah, it's always interesting thing. I, I don't think the categories are as defined with, with Gen Z as they were with us. No, like, not yeah. at all.
1: It's it, in fact not even in the '90s. It was really a remnant of the '80s. Uh, how the stark categories, uh, the re- dang re- Breakfast Club, Revenge of the Nerds style. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I always think of the five groups from the bre- the breast- breakfast right. club, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, all right. Totally.
1: Uh, okay, mine. Yeah. Uh, what do you miss the most and the least about teaching in the classroom?
0: Oh, great question. Uh, I definitely miss the most the students, uh, the relationships that you build with students. Uh, your students in the classroom and even outside with extracurricular stuff. I, I mean, I, uh, it gets lonely being in the basement, you know, I'm not able to, but you know, online you can interact. It's, it's not the same. I have a discord server. I try to get on there regularly. Uh, but, uh, the, yeah, I mean, uh, the whole, the main reason why I got into teaching is cause I younger people tend to inspire me and, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to get cynical <laughs> once you're with a bunch of, especially people your age or older that already in my mid-20s, I was just like, man, my uh, opt- uh, my I- idealism just went out the window so quickly after college. It like blew my mind. And that's so, very but...
1: interesting because I, I feel that I am both cynical and an idealist. I managed to blend them. I don't know yeah. what it is. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah.
0: I've always been more idealist, though, like I'm it's probably naive of me. But so, yeah, that's what I missed the most. The thing I missed the least is uh, I was not a big fan of the meetings. Uh, we had too many meetings and conferences and uh, the emails, the uh, grading. I did not like the grading. Like I'm more of a I like to see progress in the classroom with interaction, like back and forth. Like, OK, you're getting this. But in terms of just like grading tests, like that's no. Yeah. Uh, parents started to get worse. My final couple of years in the classroom, 2020, 2021, with the pandemic, all of a sudden, parents who previously only cared about sports now cared about curriculum for the first time. And they thought they knew more than I did. Uh, and so that kind of I feel like I left it at, at probably a good time. A lot of teachers are still leaving. But right now, by the way, it's, a, it's actually a crisis. There's it's a, a t- problem. Teacher yeah. shortages across the country, all fields, even social studies, which typically, like when I first applied for the position that I got um, in t- 2010, uh, I, I later found out that there were 150 other applicants for that position. I felt so lucky to get wow. that first teaching gig at Blue Valley High School in Overland Park, Kansas, and yeah, uh, and it was part time starting out. I, I mm-hmm. and um, now they now, kill to have you. Now that same position has maybe 15. Uh, 20 applicants. And, but then math, uh, uh, special education, science, zero applicants for some of those positions. So if wow. you're watching this and you want to be a teacher, especially in uh, science or math, you got a job. You know, you just got to get that degree and certificate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How long did you teach uh, in the classroom?
1: I mean, it was off and on. I mean, a lot of it was just subbing. But then I taught at that trade university for about three and a half years. So it's a good chunk oh, wow. of time. Yeah. A, it was a weird environment. It's a very atypical environment. I mean, it's a trade university. So it's like not it's like even a notch below community college. Like it's not like a prestigious environment. And it was adult learning. It was uh, it was accelerated courses for adults to get post back credits. So, like they're applying, they're doing a career change. They want to go into some medical field, but their bachelor's is in some other unrelated thing. So, they have uh, required courses, required coursework, chemistry, biology, anatomy, physiology, coursework they have to take prior to applying to some program.
0: Okay.
1: So, I really liked teaching adults. To, like, they were like my age, they were like my peers. This is. I was in like my late twenties, teaching people from early twenties to like forties. Someone when they so they 40s. really
0: want to be there. They want to learn.
1: They want to be there, and yeah. because I explained it so well, they were so grateful. Like it was a really positive relationship, as opposed to like I have taught a little bit of high school, and it uh, some of it was just like my goodness, it was just so so bad uh, in certain instances. Um, but uh, yeah, so just for yeah, just like. It's very satisfying to like teach someone I feel the best of my ability and then receive like they're grateful. They're like, oh, this is, you know, I can't believe you taught me organic chemistry and I understand it. This is awesome. Uh, And then, as you say, like, I just hated the bureaucracy. I mean, eventually I lost the job because I was in the the band started really touring. So I was like, crap, like I want to hang on to this job because the pay is good, but I'm not going to screw up the band thing. So let's see how long I can juggle them. <laughs> and uh, and uh, eventually it was two things. One was that um, there was a new dean and a new academic advisor. And they were like, you have to change all your t- exams to multiple choice only. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so they didn't like that. And then also I would be skipping a lot of like faculty meetings because uh, the, the band would wait until the very first moment I was done to go on tour. So I'd literally do the last class go get in the van, have the final exam proctored and have them fax me all the exams. And I would grade them remotely and send them in. So eventually they were just like, it was them being jerks. And then also them being tired of me doing that kind of stuff. And they're just like, all right, get rid of this guy's like, okay, fine. I'm in a touring dance. See you. Like I'll miss the money, but I'm, this is where I'm going. (laughs) So yeah.
0: But at the same time, that was around the time you started making the videos.
1: It was a little later. I lost that job in like, yeah, late 2013. And then er, late 2014, I filmed all the OCHEM tutorials. So it was about a year. That year we were just touring, touring, touring. And I. but then eventually I was like, we all have to like figure out how to make money. Like all of us are broke. It's a problem, you know, because the band was making enough money to kind of pay for itself. Like we do a tour and come back with like 10 to 20 K But guess what? You need PR. You need to record. You need a music video. You need to like, you know, the van needs gas. You need to like it's so much money. So we felt really grateful that we us being so broke didn't have to like we could still do all the stuff, even Mm -hmm. though we didn't have any money to invest in the band. The band was like making its own money. But we had, you know, rent and stuff. And, you know, two of them were married and, then the kids started coming and we were all just like, oh my God, we have <laughs> to figure something world. out. Yeah. I was the last of us to have kids, but, uh, but now we all have them. So
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Interesting. All right. Um, I, I saw Mr. Terry here, so I don't want to really, uh, ask this, but I, I'm going to go ahead to, cause it reminded me of, of it. So hopefully he doesn't get offended. Uh, But Mrs. Beat and I, we were having this conversation the other day. She is not the biggest fan of reaction videos. She respects Mr. Terry and the others. Uh, Well, the ones who actually are educators because they add context to it. I don't know who Mr. Terry is. Uh, He's a history teacher, and uh, we've collaborated, but he reacts to history videos. Okay, got it. uh, But anyway, what is your general opinion about reaction videos? It's like you're
1: psychic. Because I just yesterday filmed my first reaction video.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And I'm planning on releasing it on Monday.
0: <clears throat> Holy crap.
1: So that's very interesting that you asked that. Um <laughs> My thinking of it was what happened was this channel made this ridiculous garbage anti-evolution video where they're just parroting a bunch of apologist rhetoric. And uh, uh, the the video itself only has like 70-something thousand views. Not a lot, but the channel has like almost a million subscribers. And so maybe 20 to 30 people were like, you got to debunk this video because I have a reputation now as a debunker. So they're like, debunk this, debunk this. And I looked at it and I, I mean, I looked at it for like a second and I was like, all right, it's, it's, this does not merit a debunk. It's a lot of effort to do a debunk, but it occurred to me, what if I try this like reaction style where I just play the video and just pause it and say how it's wrong the whole time. And then I just cut it together really quick. It'll be like a, like one full work day of effort. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to like potentially two to three weeks of effort, sometimes these debunks take, you know, um, and so I did that and I actually just I just uploaded it to YouTube to like, you know, check for errors and all that stuff. Um, I, I think it worked out and I think people will enjoy it. But ask me again in a couple of days and I'll tell you if people like it and if it was worth uh, if it's worth doing again. But I think it's a way for me to do debunking style content with 10 percent of the effort. Yeah. So I'm for it now, I think, as long as people like it.
0: I used to, yeah, I, I kind of, like you had a, uh, I've come around to it. Uh, if you were to ask me a few years ago, I would have been like, duh, you know? And I think it's because of the early reaction channels that were just so cringy that mm-hmm. they didn't add much to the original video. And even, and many of them didn't even really have personalities that were charismatic or anything or entertaining. Yeah. You know, there were exceptions like H3H3, H3, I thought what they was hilarious and but at the same time, like it was an it was annoying. You know, they were essentially leeches. They were taking all yeah. this hard work. And the, part of me also is like, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Because, like right. you said, it's a lot easier. And so, like, uh, but I fine. feel that I'm
1: giving good commentary. You know, yeah,
0: like, well, and it has to be something that you are much more comfortable with because you've made videos about that specific topic yes. in the past. Yeah, yeah I made like, a
1: lot of debunks of this particular style rhetoric, so I know exactly what their script is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and then the first video I chose to react to when I, and I do this every Monday morning now on Twitch, I will live stream. Just, I pick one video because it, otherwise it gets out of control. Um, And the first one I picked was the Johnny Harris video about inflation. And that was like, I first came across that video, not that long after I wrote the script for your inflation video. And then I referred everyone to go to your channel to watch that video instead. Cause it was just so triggering to me. I was just like, because so many people watch it and they just accept him as this authority on yeah. economics. And I uh, so yeah, like I do get uh I guess and it, I feel like we're putting out fires. Like it's exhausting. There's so much yeah. bad content out there that so much misinformation. And a lot of the people that even spout misinformation, it's not like they're doing it in bad faith. They're you know, the people Some that you, the <laughs> ones that you debunk, a lot of them are.
1: Yeah. Uh, This guy that I just reacted to, I think is not, I think he's just like, he got, he fell for the propaganda and is regurgitating it.
0: Yeah. And so, um, uh, uh, but yeah, so I'm glad that you're doing that. Yeah. uh, It's it's actually, I want more, I'm trying to talk more history tubers in particular to do Mm -hmm. this because I feel like there's so much, like there's this guy, uh, that he made like an hour long video trashing Abraham Lincoln. I forgot the name of his channel, but vlogging, vlogging through history deep. Uh, debunked his video. He got a lot of hate for that too, by the way. But I feel Mm -hmm. like um, it's now at a point where it's become like a public service to do this.
1: I think so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that we're talking about two different styles. Like what we're talking about, I think has a lot of merit as opposed to like the traditional reaction video. Like my kid, he watches these videos of like, he's into classic rock and he'll watch a reaction video of two people listening to like Boston more than a feeling for
0: the and first time.
1: Yes. And they're just like,
0: Feels and, then, like the yeah. first time. No, and then
1: they'll pause it, say something stupid. And then like he, it's like what? Just listen to the song. Like what? Do you, I mean, why are you watching this? <laughs> like it just, I can't stand those like, channels. It's so aggravated, I'm like, what is the purpose of what you're doing? I don't understand. Yeah, but, um,
0: well, they they get a lot of clicks, or a yeah. lot of views, um,
1: but I don't know how that works. It's like that's copyrighted. Like they can't possibly be monetizing that content. I don't know.
0: Yeah, they probably don't make much from the ads, but they, they can still make from other stuff. Um, money right. from other stuff.
1: Brings people in, and then other content is monetized. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Number five. Uh, if you were sworn in as Secretary of Education, what major changes would you make to the public school system? It was oh. a hard-hitting one. <laughs> getting serious
0: here now is this k-12 or does this also include include public colleges
1: uh i don't know whatever is the dominion of the office
0: okay i think ultimately at some point in the future we're gonna have to make public colleges um if not free almost socialist yeah i know right (laughs) uh because like you have to have a bachelor's degree to enter the middle class anymore and Um, But the problem is that, yeah, like I don't at the same time, I don't want to I don't like the federal government micromanaging this. So I'm kind of like uh, antagonistic generally towards the Department of Education. Um, The only reason why I wouldn't say get rid of the Department of Education and dismantle everything we do is because obviously the states and uh, individuals, families depend so heavily on the Department of Education for just being able to go to to higher education you know college uh, if you look at uh i mean you, the cost of college is so ridiculous uh k12 like specifically i know this is a bit out there but i still am somebody who's a firm believer in individuals and families know how to to spend money best uh, and so just giving money directly to families to spend on education and not assigning them a school based on where they live. Um, well, I think that the... I actually, I still haven't read this thing. I have still haven't read this dang book, but my friend told me about it years ago. And this book here, Savage Inequalities, is about the, the root of many problems with public schools in this country, which is um, you property taxes pay for our schools for the vast majority of their funding comes from property taxes. If you look at a country like France, this isn't the case. Uh, there's just a a pool. There's a, a big fund that is for, for this purpose that's distributed equally. It's per pupil. And we like to say that's the case in all these 50, every, by the way, every single state has a different way of doing this. Um, Because every is it's not in the Constitution. There's nothing in the Constitution about education. This is a Tenth Amendment issue. So like I I get like the the oh the federal government should step in and help. You know there's there's uh, extra funding for uh, impoverished schools and that's good that's great. But at the same time it's it's a it's like a band aid. Mm -hmm. It's not attacking the root of the problem, which is why are the why should your zip code determine where you go to school. And I taught in urban schools like Kansas City, Missouri, extremely like I, it was a, an eye opening experience when I was a substitute teacher for a full semester in Kansas City, Missouri, because that was extreme poverty. And then at the end of the day, I would I would drive to a very wealthy district, Blue Valley in the Kansas City area um, where it was the opposite. You had extreme privilege and it all like the school. It, where, where the the suburb suburban school looked like a college
1: mm-hmm.
0: whereas the inner city school that i substitute taught at
1: looks like an asylum
0: uh, <laughs> yeah like didn't even have water fountains that worked yeah um, and
1: uh yeah i've subbed in a few places like that it's really yeah. uh, it's really astounding
0: so yeah, yeah that, that's the uh that's we gotta attack that problem that's what i would focus on making sure that every student had equal access and if the and usually that means, hey, just give the money directly to them. I'm am a big also proponent of universal basic income. Just give the money directly to them so they can have freedom. Um now obviously transportation is a whole nother issue. Mm-hmm. So that might have to be another some something else to look at, but
1: cool. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I this is not my world. I don't think about this stuff ever. <laughs> <laughs> curious to see what you would say. I mean yeah I, yeah. yeah, I just wanna yeah, there should be just like a dictator that just like It's take the money out of defense and put it in education. Give it to, I don't know, just like redistribute all this, uh, (laughs) all all these funds.
0: Yeah. Uh, Still live. Thanks for the question and the super chat. Um, You know, I think algorithms for YouTube, YouTube has uh, definitely is a big reason why there's been misinformation spread for sure. But I do think that YouTube is actively try to reform this. Would you get that vibe?
1: Like I'm, I mean, yeah. By by taking steps to alter how the algorithm works, I mean that's yeah. that's them doing. It. I I think they I think they walk a very I, I, they do they do a great job of walking a very fine line, right? Because they they have a civic duty to curb this. It's enormously problematic, and it's their fault, and they have to do something <laughs> about it. But they also don't want to become a platform that just willy nilly, you know, censors content. So mm-hmm. it's it's a difficult thing to, to to approach. I think that they've done it properly, if you ask me, you know. Cause it's like people are like, YouTube censors flat they delete flat earth. No, they don't. It's there. Go watch it. There's so much there's so many flat earth channels. It's all there. Yeah. It's simply that, you know, they don't show up prominently if you search for them, but if you know what if you all the content is there for you to go find.
0: It's I not mean, suggested it the same way as it used to be.
1: Not as strongly, yeah. Unless yeah. you unless you truly Uh, write all of the keywords or the name of the channel you know if you write the name of the channel it comes up immediately of course but um you know i think good on them for because it's it's a it's very delicate like when you get i mean obviously flat earth is the dumbest thing imaginable but with like vaccine stuff or like medical stuff it's like we can't make our we can't make youtube be the arbiter of truth right it's not youtube's job to figure out what's true and not true so that they can censor it they don't know it's it's youtube it's just a it's a video platform so you know it's it's hard to navigate i don't envy them it's a very difficult job but um yeah anyway yeah
0: (laughs) this next question actually is a good segue okay uh how do you get people out of their echo chambers what's the most effective way to do that
1: (sighs) I mean, you don't. There's no answer. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's so hard. I mean, I, I think that there, there could be an answer for an interpersonal relationship. But unfortunately, I'm not friends with anybody in an echo chamber. I'm really not. I don't have anyone in my personal circle that suffers these delusions or anything like that. So I make content that's trying to shake people out of their echo chambers. But it's really astounding. I've been more increasingly disheartened as of late. As I go after specific specific figures and make content that so undeniably and so devastatingly eviscerates, exposes, and humiliates them. And I still get these people in those echo chambers coming to my content, watching none of it, and either telling me i'm an idiot and i'm unqualified and the person i'm debunking is brilliant or something like that or just and then no matter how much i press them no matter how much i say where am i wrong where am i wrong where am i wrong they deflect every time or in a twitter exchange same thing it's just it's just whack-a-mole i'll demolish what they're saying they ignore it and say something else and they it's just it's 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 absolutely astounding to me that how desperately they will avoid any information that, that, uh, that, that neutralizes this thing. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. That's uh, interesting. Cause I do have a lot of people in my life that um, are in echo chambers. I, I mean, I think technically all of us are in some kind of echo chamber, you know, let's be honest, like mm-hmm. we're not immune to it, but I think the difference is, yeah, like when you have people, you can tell that they're in, a, in an echo chamber because a lot of times they repeat the same handful oh, of yeah. talking talking points. It's the yes. same stuff over Vermaidum. and over. Yeah, Vermaidum. like, it, yeah. Uh, like the uh, for my anti-Semitism video, it's like they were kicked out of ninety. Uh, 105 countries or something like that. that's yeah you won't believe thousands of people type that exact that same specific thing. number yeah 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 water uh, finds
1: its level <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> so,
0: and so yeah that's like a red flag uh, that there's not critical thinking happening but i find i think what's so effect like uh mr terry actually i put, I put it up here as well put it back up but like something uh if you Get out of your own comfort zone a lot of times, mm-hmm. then because like a lot of us have a, an audience because the audience they they like us for some reason I don't know why people like me but like they they like the way I explain stuff I guess and so even if they disagree with me they're at least going to uh, hear me out you know mm-hmm. now that's that's some people I, I had so many people after the 2020 election video I made that were Trumpists you know they were in that echo chamber the the Donald yeah. Trump echo chamber and the just the simple fact of me acknowledging that he lost the election i had so many people unsubscribe from me and yeah. they said oh you're a shill and and i'm just like i don't know I, and i got you wouldn't believe the emails i got cuz i guess they knew oh, they I had, believe the, the impl, implications yeah <laughs> the implications of it like oh uh, whatever mr beat says in this video that's what really happened but i mean <clears throat> I'm, it, it's, it's reached a point now where we can't even state facts. And I'll never forget that uh, Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway, the advisor to Trump, she once said that, well, we have alternative facts. And I got so triggered by that. Like, how dare you say there's a thing as alternative facts? Because if we have alternative facts, then I can't, we, can't, we can no longer engage. We're, if we're no longer in the same reality then we expect no further progress in this world. Yeah. And I refuse to believe that. I think that we can at least have a consensus on facts, you know?
1: Yeah. It so, used to be more subtle. It's just the past decade or so has, has devolved into just the blatant admission that facts don't matter, that it is, everybody is peddling whatever narrative they want to pedal. And that's just where we're at now.
0: Well, I still think, yeah, like, if uh the best way to get people out of their echo chambers is maybe like well this is kind of leads to an actually i'll hold off what i'm going to say because i have another question that's related to this so okay. yeah what, what's your your next question
1: number six um what is the most fundamental difference between the democratic and republican parties today
0: in 2023 yes sure today okay, yeah that's the key um I think one thing that's—I'll I'll start positive. Like, the Republican Party is much better than the Democratic Party at accepting uh, dissenting voices within. There's a bigger tent. Like, they—you uh, know, they—like, right now, you're seeing two big camps. Uh, there's the Trumpists, is the, the cult members who never really left Trump, uh, who thinks he can do no wrong. And then there's the more pragmatic, more in-reality Republicans, but still like a lot of what Trump has to say who are more with DeSantis as the next uh, presidential candidate. And you see this uh, infighting going on, but we know ultimately the Republican Party is going to, whoever they end up nominating, they're all going to just get together and say, all right, we're going to do this. Whereas I, th- I think there's more of a, on the left in the Democratic Party, but really the the left as a whole, when I say left, I know that's a term that's kind of meaningless uh, these days, but when I'm talking about Generally, those who are uh, more government involvement uh, in order to have civil rights mm-hmm. and freedoms. Uh, but those folks, there's a purity test. There's a there's more infighting, uh, and I, you see this right now with like Joe Biden is, is we they assume that he's going to be the next um, candidate. He hasn't announced it yet, but then you have a new person that. Uh, is running against him, Marianne Williamson. And the hate that she has gotten is unbelievable. And it's the same thing you saw with Bernie Sanders in 2016 when Mm -hmm. he ran against Hillary Clinton. Uh, And I don't think there's a lot of people that used to be, used to identify with the Democratic Party on this platform, on YouTube and Twitch, uh, who no longer are because of that, those purity tests. I think of somebody like... uh, jimmy Dore, who was a huge bernie sanders fan and now he he hates the democratic party but if you were to ask him 10 years ago he was a democrat Mm -hmm. um and they push people out um so yeah that's the main thing i noticed like in terms of like policies were you asking for policies or
1: open-ended just okay whatever you however you want to answer it
0: i mean there's a lot of republicans still in reality um Mm -hmm. And there's a, I think that it's always important to have that conservative voice in terms of like a more limited government. But with Trumpism, it's a new brand of Republicanism. It's like where it's not really based on principles or anything. It's just based on emotions. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, like I kind of miss the old logical Republican Party. Like, um, I don't know, I'm thinking about the 1990s, like.
1: And I mayor. thought you were gonna go back to like Eisenhower. <laughs> oh
0: well, I feel like, like that
1: was the last good Republican president was Eisenhower. Oh,
0: but he was a he was okay with uh, more government intervention. Like he would be called a socialist today right. easily by many of. them. That's what
1: I mean. Is like a Republican yeah. of that era was so centrist compared to, you know, what what it, what the party became.
0: Yeah, I think uh, what, what really hurt the Republican Party and what made them who they are today more than anything was the odds with the foreign policy, the horrible foreign policy of George W. Bush, Dick yeah. Cheney, uh, and then Barack Obama not really reversing it, just having the, the same foreign right. policy. Yeah, and so yeah. all these these people that were against that foreign policy, a lot uh of-
1: Uh-oh, I lost you. I don't know if anyone can hear me, but I cannot hear you. Live ticker still going. Totally frozen. Actually, the banner is not frozen. The banner is still going, but Mr. Beat is frozen. And I am talking to myself. so oh he's gone um am i talking to everybody by myself (laughs) is that what's going on this is a mr beat takeover professor dave is taking over mr beat's channel uh if how do i even see is there a comments thing here oh there is a comments thing oh you can see and hear me um How about uh, somebody asked me a question? <laughs> I could literally get Mr. Beat Band right. Now. I just spew a bunch of uh, a bunch of vulgarities and, and racial slurs. <laughs> uh, for the show with Aaron Raw. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing. Um. Yeah, I'm doing. What is it called? The line. I'm doing the line. Uh, on Monday. I'm doing the line on Monday. That that I think that would be fun. Uh I've been wanting to get into those those podcasts for a while. Have you seen the PBS? Uh no, I don't know that PBS one. Why did I mute my videos Matt Walsh? I did not. Who's my favorite president? I don't know. FDR. The weakness of Kent Oh wait, wow, I'm getting a lot of questions. The weakness of Kent Hovind, I I I've watched a little bit of it. He's back.
0: Yeah, sorry, my my internet went out. Uh, the Pentagon got me. Oh no! I was starting to talk trash about foreign policy, and the Pentagon got me. I'm sorry. That is
1: ironic. I got uh, I got about thirty questions. That's fine. I won't look. I'm not going to look at them now. <laughs> I I had a brief I had a brief takeover. I took over your channel.
0: Oh, thank you for keeping it going. Uh, what oh, was yeah. the last thing you heard that I said? I don't...
1: Um, we were talking about Democrats and Republicans, but let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh... Let's go ahead. Uh oh yeah, so now you're number seven, all yeah, right. maybe let's see if we can keep the next four well, we get yeah, no, we're still good, we're now an and twenty, okay, yeah, well, let's keep it up
0: <sighs> all right, sorry about that, okay, so this is related to the, my last question is we have t- two different styles, and what I mean by that is I try to be i don't want to word this in a way that offends you, but like i I try to be a little bit more laid back about how i. Take, like when I
1: <laughs> not abrasive
0: <laughs> yeah I, I'm not as abrasive as you with the uh, like you're your debunking videos which are your most popular videos and they're really good but at, at times I notice people criticize your tone because he's like oh yeah. you're you're demeaning and you're uh you know whatever and I'm just like oh trying to stay like yeah. okay well maybe they have a point um although I will say both methods are effective what what uh what was my question here Oh, yeah. Why do you think your style works? Because I think it does work. I really do.
1: I mean, it's just I'm so blunt and I'm so <laughs> just I, I do not mince words. I, I describe people as they are. If they're a fraud, I call them a fraud. If they say something stupid, I call it stupid. Um, it's not that I think that that's the most effective way to do it. It's simply my personality to do it that way. And I don't like to misrepresent myself or put on airs. This is how I talk and I feel I feel a sense of urgency to it. okay, so there's two things I want to say about this. Number one, I feel that it is a disservice uh, if you are exposing a fraud or exposing pseudoscience in some way. If you take a soft approach and you treat it as though it is a difference of opinion, you're doing a disservice. You are lending a false air of credibility to something that is objectively false, manipulative. Propaganda, what what have you? So I think it is wrong to do that. Um, but number two, while I don't think that necessarily the way I do it is somehow the best way to do it, I do not feel that taking a softer tone is also. I don't think that that is objectively better either. I think that they are different styles and they have their merits. But I know debunkers in the science space that are sweet as can be, not treading on any toes. Very agreeable. And if you go into especially uh, so much so that some of these people will agree to debates, you know, like the the Discovery Institute folks or something, they'll do an actual live exchange. They would never do it with me. They would absolutely never do it with me because they know (laughs) how how hard I would press them and I'd humiliate them. But they do say yes sometimes to these softer creators. And if you go into the comment section of those videos, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. The same way that they go into mine and say, you're just a mean jerk and you're and you're an, I can't believe you're talking this way. You're so mean in those. They go, wow, this is how public discourse should go. It's a civil conversation. And I have so much respect for how civil the conversation was. Ultimately, the other person didn't say anything that I found valid and I'm not changing my beliefs in any way whatsoever. But what a nice civil conversation. So nothing has been achieved. Right. It's the exact same script. It's just the mirror image. It's the polar opposite. They're still talking about the tone alone and saying nothing about the substance of what the person was saying. So to me, it's irrelevant. You know what I mean? It's like you're, if you are motivated, if you are ideologically motivated to go like this and shut your ears when someone is speaking that says something you don't want to understand or believe, then the tone is they're going to fixate on the tone no matter what the tone is mm. as a, as an escape port to to avoid addressing anything substantive. So why why misrepresent myself if it's not going to be any more effective anyway? I'm an abrasive, direct guy, and I'm going to talk that way. If someone's a fraud. If someone's an idiot, that's how I talk, <laughs> and it's fun. And, <laughs> it's fun and cathartic, and I think some people appreciate it because I don't abuse it, right? I don't. I only do it when it's true, right? Uh, this is there, you know. These people, the Discovery Institute, is a disgusting, loathsome propaganda mill that's trying to aid in the creation of the Handmaid's Tale in America. That's the direction that it's going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's where their backers want to see. Biblical law, right? They want theocracy. <laughs> this is a terrible, terrible thing. Um,
0: well, you not going to be polite of, to them. You, know? <laughs> you do a lot of debates, and I actually understand why people don't do debates because you hinted hinted at i've actually businesses. done
1: very few i've only done three uh really but, yeah
0: it seems like you've done a lot
1: uh, no okay. i did the the kent hovind and i did the jesse lee peterson why i don't know why i did that one uh and then i did the flat earth one that's it
0: wow That must debates. Have just been so impactful that i just it seems like more i the
1: flat earth one got a lot of views <laughs>
0: but the thing is like uh I don't think there's value necessarily in doing that because yeah, like uh, you're just creating this false dichotomy and where clearly one side side is superior than the other. And you're just legitimate. I know legitimizing the side that doesn't, does not need to be legitimized. Yeah.
1: Unless you make it so abundantly clear how illegitimate the other side is. And you do not do that politely. You do it directly and aggressively.
0: Um, Yeah. It's hard not to go for the ad hominem though. I mean, like I cuz it it's such like to me um or any like any fallacy really because I just feel like I would not do very well in a debate. Like people mm-hmm. have have tried I did debate this one uh but there's
1: no fallacy to insult someone is not a fallacy, right? When I prove that what someone says is wrong and dumb, and then I call them dumb at the end of it, like the flat earther, there's no fallacy committed. That <laughs> yeah, is no. a, a refutation followed by an insult.
0: The vast Perfect majority of what you did, if you actually watch your debunking, yeah. uh, there's very, if any, fallacies – Um, But I think people think that there's ad hominem because you you will use Yeah, but they don't know what ad
1: hominem means. I've never heard anyone use the term ad hominem correctly. You have a video
0: about that, too.
1: Yeah, everyone who uses that term is using it wrong. They think it means insult. It doesn't. No, it means
0: attacking the person who's making the argument instead of attacking the argument, right? Well,
1: but it has to be in the form of an argument, right? That's not the argument, yeah. Right, if you say you're wrong because you're dumb... That's, a, that's that's an ad, an ad hominem. Yeah. If you say you're wrong and here's why, by the way, you're dumb. That's not an ad hominem. That's a refutation, direct refutation, followed by an insult. I mean, so many a, people a well-deserved you're right. insult.
0: So many people don't know that. No, wow. absolutely not. I, no. I should have been more clear in my own logical fallacies <laughs> video about that. All right. Uh, I think
1: it's your turn. Number seven on me. Uh, will we ever see a third party candidate win the presidency?
0: Well, we have um, Abraham Lincoln was technically a third party candidate in 1860, so ah. there just has to be extraordinary circumstances. What were,
1: other, what were the other? Because um, what uh, were the other Democratic Republicans, and and then he, he was Republican. So
0: in the 1850s, you had the Democrats, and you had the Whigs, and then by the, uh, yes, beginning in 1856, the Republican Party started to take over, but they still didn't have like mainstream appeal; like they were still struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, but the thing about 1860 was that uh, because you had so many people refuse to join the Republican Party because they're the extreme party that wants to ban slavery, (laughs) those radicals, Um, they, that's why you had two other political parties form. You had the, first of all, the Democratic Party splintered between Northern Democrats and Southern, and then you also had the Constitutional Union Party, which is another third party. And so if you want to get all technical about it, the Republican Party was the first third party to win. Now, some people will say, oh, well, you know, they were really just the major party because the other parties were all splintered within each other. Okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that...
1: uh, How about the modern
0: political climate? I think you would have to have... uh, See, what ultimately happens in the modern age is a third party movement does arise, but then one of the parties just... Uh, co-ops it so we saw this in the 1990s with what ross perot um the party that was like really perot uh, he said some things that appealed to a lot of democrats but ultimately i think the uh, republicans were more they embraced his
1: uh Mm -hmm, his mm -hmm. politics
0: more um
1: similar yeah uh, and bernie too like shouldn't have been a democrat or run as a democratic candidate but kind of had to
0: and the Democratic Party, people don't like to admit this, but they've definitely went a little bit more to the left in recent years. Even Joe Biden, like, if you look at what he's done in terms of uh, not just legislation he's signed, but antitrust enforcement um, and student loan forgiveness, hello, that was something that Obama never would have done.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so he's actually been influenced by the Elizabeth Warren slash Bernie Sanders wing of the party, I think. So, right. yeah, they just co-opted these days. Um yeah i it's just not going to happen at the federal level unless it's i mean we also another thing people forget is that um you've had third parties that did pretty well in certain parts of the country historically like in wisconsin and minnesota just randomly you had uh third parties do well there in in local elections state legislatures uh house of representatives u.s senate uh like the the farmer labor party in minnesota Mm -hmm. and the progressive party in Wisconsin and uh, for, for decades. No yeah. You so I, I think uh, I, p- for people that talk trash about third parties, just remember <clears throat> that it doesn't have to be only at the pre- like the right. federal, the presidential, presidential so election. So
1: do you think so. if, if a third party kind of gained traction rising up through the ranks, maybe that would make a difference?
0: Uh, it would. However, these are extraordinary times. I think so much of
1: well yeah extraordinary times require extraordinary measures i i feel like well
0: like this is my whole criticism of the andrew yang's forward party because i'm a i'm a fan of andrew yang i like what he does but he's i think politically he's not very good at what it it, at the political game because Mm -hmm. this is not the time for a third party Um, this is the time for people that it's either trump or anybody else at this point i really think that like because trumpism i think is a kind of a unique thing uh, yeah that's why you see kind of unique coalitions forming like a bunch of republicans joining forces with democrats like uh so i don't like i think a third party would have made much more sense back in like 2008 or uh 20, even 2016 if you look at yeah you saw Remember jill stein and uh, gary johnson they actually had pretty big followings. I voted
1: Um, for Jill Stein (laughs) just because I couldn't give my vote to either of the other two candidates.
0: Yeah. Like I voted Gary Johnson in 2016 Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I didn't know how bad Trump would be, (laughs) but I, uh, yeah. Like, especially when you live in a red or blue state and you know you know, your vote's not going to make that much difference anyway. Right. And so it was a
1: throwaway vote. It was just, let me put one coin in the, in the pot for, for a third party just as like a symbolic gesture.
0: Yeah, cuz they get funding yeah. if they if they reach 5% they get federal fund, funding yeah. matched. And so I do think there's merits to that And uh but the problem is now it's like uh I feel I don't know. Maybe that maybe I'm uh, I, maybe I'm a little like being too dramatic here, but I I just think Trumpism is kind of more negative than positive yeah. these days, and so yeah,
1: disease. I I think I was being a uh, the the only thing I was being a bit naive about. I mean, I I refused to vote Clinton um because i just thought you know i i know trump will be terrible but we don't know what she'll do we don't know what her foreign policy is going to look like we don't know what kind of disasters could occur but then this what happened with the supreme court i was like oh
0: yeah god
1: she would not have done that
0: supreme court this is bad like (laughs) i always say though hey like the the senate has to approve but now like they don't even need a 60 votes anymore it's just 50 votes for just ramming it ramming
1: these people in you know
0: yeah and i so i, I wasn't I, I was i was not a hillary clinton fan at all but in in hindsight yeah i was like uh but you know maybe it would have been worked like maybe joe biden never would have got like i feel like uh we still learn of the democratic party is still learning a little bit um that hey we need to listen to the people instead of yeah being elitist yeah so anyway uh number eight That was a fun question thanks for that one i could go on yeah. forever <laughs> all right uh oh, i better do this ticker thing i keep forgetting to do it how much time you have enough time here yeah oh, we can yeah, i mean good. three more
1: yeah we can do three more nice
0: we got this okay hopefully my internet doesn't go out again all right hmm What's the biggest mistake you have ever made in a video?
1: In a video, what's the biggest mistake? Okay, so I think, I mean, so when I started the channel, first I just did my OCHEM lectures like to camera uh, with a whiteboard as though I was teaching. And I think those were very effective uh, and quite accurate because I'd honed those lectures. Then what happened was I was like, okay, uh, those went well, let's do general chemistry. So I was literally in the tour van writing scripts from memory, like, okay, general chemistry, let's do, okay, let's do about 40 and these are the topics. And yeah, this is about how this goes. Cause I had like less than a thousand subscribers when I wrote those scripts, I had no clue what my channel was going to become. So there are errors in there and you have to know chemistry. I'd say if I had to pick one thing, Uh, In one of those, I was talking about I was talking about molecular orbitals, but I was referring to uh, hybrid atomic orbitals as though they are molecular orbitals, which is it's like an unforgivable thing to say. Uh, I still have yet (laughs) to go. You know how you now we I still I was told this like six months ago and I still haven't done it, but I have to find the time because now what we can do is we can replace YouTube. We can replace video files in the same youtube player so you can uh keep all all the metadata and keep all the views and everything but replace the video file so i'm finally gonna go back and did you know that
0: yeah but i tried to do it and it for some reason they wouldn't like let me i don't know oh yeah. really
1: do you have a partner you have a partner manager right yeah yeah They'll, they should be able to figure it out for you but uh, wait is it and, dean or who uh
0: shout out to lisa
1: Okay, cool. Um, anyway, she should be able to help you do that. But uh I did it for one and it worked, and so now I gotta go back. There's maybe half a dozen of the Gen Chem and probably half a dozen other ones around the channel where there's just something where I'm just like, Ugh. So that one in particular, this thing with the molecular orbitals, like I, I don't I even it's so bad that I'm gonna literally go hybrid atomic orbitals and and put that audio in with the mismatch of what my lips are doing because it's <laughs> that bad I don't care like it's just like oh god I can finally like correct this horrible error um other than that I, I think that there there are probably 20 or 30 videos who that have small errors um yeah. which are ultimately not like you know okay I'll pin a comment like whatever but well, um, also
0: now there's a corrections feature that you can do with the yeah. cards that i've been yeah. going back and doing that
1: yeah the, yeah the See, most yeah. common
0: mistake i have is mispronunciation m- pronouncing things wrong
1: yeah i try really hard i mean i do like all the zoology content with the weird names of the organisms mm. and i do a lot of stuff with like foreign names and like i'd really try my best i really try my best to like really figure out how everything is pronounced but yeah definitely sometimes there's there's a flub but that's like this is small potatoes so yeah that's
0: the thing i i do feel proud that i don't have any videos that have major errors in them Mm -hmm. so i think that says a lot i mean i've there's been fellow YouTubers i will not name names that have just left up videos with pretty big errors Mm -hmm. in them And, and you know like you were saying when you start your channel you did there's something weird about like your mind no no, clue no no one's gonna see this anyway Yeah. no one's gonna see it anyway you're writing the scripts without like there's like from memory that that's uh, yeah because i had
1: taught i mean i was teaching ochem for a long time but i'd also taught gen chem we're talking about high school level chemistry yeah i was like okay yeah these are the topics and uh you know i've explained this before this is pretty much how i explain it um and then the, there's a few like arithmetic errors or something or just or, or just careless errors, you know, when mm-hmm. when we were making them and stuff. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, I got to go back and, and, and I got to find some time uh, to go back and replace some of those video files. But uh, yeah,
0: yeah, nobody's perfect.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, OK, number eight. Um, OK, so is America still on the way up? Is it treading water or is it on the way down?
0: You did good at this. Yeah, I love your <laughs> questions. Uh, I think, I, I'm, again, I said this earlier in our conversation, uh, I'm an optimist. Uh, I'm a, a, na- a naive idealist. Um, I do think that things are getting better overall. Uh, obviously, the last three years have been rough. Um, but I do think even like, there's a lot of times you have to zoom out to really notice things getting better. And I, I think somebody who does this really well, um, uh, what's his name? Pinker. I forgot his first name. Steven Pinker. I think that's his name. It sounds familiar, but I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stephen Pinker. He's a cognitive psychologist um, and he's kind of, I think his books that are most well-known actually are, uh, he looks at these broader trends of society And uh, he does focus a lot on the United States. And uh, I think even how we define poverty today is different than how it was uh, a generation ago. So I think generally we are in better shape. Um, That said, though, I think people get angry when I say that. And I think it's because they know that we still have so much work to do, and I agree. (laughs) Um, But I think the most frustrating thing about um, why why I get upset with, um the slow progress we have here in the United States is you look at other countries i'm i'm constantly looking at um you know i have a compared series where i look at i compare two countries and i'm just freaking looking at data these are it's just raw data yeah life expectancy cost of living
1: not even um, polls just happiness. like happiness yeah. right
0: the happiest people in the world and
1: scandinavians
0: exactly i get yeah. so frustrated with americans who just like well we're the greatest country in the world we can't get any better you know, i'm like, like that's dude, we've the, got that's such an un problems. yeah that's an un-american thing to say for yeah starters like we, we should constantly be trying to get better and i feel like there's just a segment of our population that refuses like conservatism is good you don't you want people in society to say hold on hold pull back the reins slow down because if we move too fast on this,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we're going to make there's going to be unintended consequences. That's why conservatism is so important. But I think there for so long, like probably at least a generation, if not two, we've had that that those voices are too loud. And the root of the problem is we don't have true representation in this country. And I've gone on ad nauseum about this. Like our our voting is all messed up with gerrymandering and mm-hmm. uh, you know representation not still being antiquated. So uh, w- w- like if we fix the representation problems, I really do think we'll we'll start like progress will resume. Um, people complain about the Supreme Court, though, and like I feel like I have to defend the Supreme Court a lot of times, though, because they're a big reason why we've made any progress in the last generation. I always bring up gay marriage. I mean, that if where would we be? Without the Supreme Court's decision in Ober- Obergefell mm-hmm. v. Hodges. um, And uh, a lot that's of that's time... why we got to
1: change how how it operates, term limits or something, because this lifetime appointment, you get one guy like Trump mm-hmm. in there. How many people has he put in there? Two, three? I don't even remember.
0: He put three in. Yeah. Three.
1: It's like, dude, no.
0: That's a lot of influence. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I know the reversal of Roe v. Roe v. Wade was really discouraging for a it's lot of Americans. It's astounding, man. Um, but at the same time, I like to remind people that hey, it, this was it. Just said it, it, the states now have power again. I'm a big advocate of like Democrats who are really fed up with the direction of this country overall, moving out of blue states into red states. It wouldn't take that many of them to move to Wyoming or North Dakota to you know to,
1: to sway it. Yeah, yeah, to swing it
0: uh yeah you can especially work remotely you don't have right to work. <laughs> yeah
1: the pandemic yeah everybody moved to uh someplace rural and turn it
0: <laughs> i mean yeah because like that's what's yeah. happening right now you have the it's warped representation and so that's why i think it's frustrating and yeah like i i think that the one of the biggest problems in terms of issues is health care uh you know i it just breaks my heart every day when I see how many people that uh, lose all their money because of medical bills Yeah, um, and we can't figure that out yet. So
1: yeah, agreed.
0: So yeah.
1: Number nine.
0: Moving it quite along. Okay. I, there's no good segues with this this conversation. Your <laughs> <laughs> questions are so different. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, Go with the robots. When and how will the robots take over?
1: <laughs> <sighs> this is funny because um, it really struck me. It was it was maybe a month or two ago. I was in a hotel and, uh, and I saw a robot. Not like, oh, like, you know, you go to like an expo or like you see it on the internet and they're working on it. I was in a hotel, a robot got on the elevator with me. Uh, pr- uh, f- uh, s- uh, I don't remember if it pressed a button or if it h- was able to activate it remotely, what floor it wanted. Went to the floor, got out. I watched like in amazement. It went to the room, knocked on the room. The person opened the door and they got the thing that it was bringing them. So uh, uh, it, wow. it, it's a robot. It, was a ro- it wasn't like an Android. It was like a little boxy thing. Yeah. But I was like... That's the first time I ever saw a robot actually integrated into society, performing a distinct task like a robot. And I was like, wow, this is like a moment. This is like a moment for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is really astounding how slow the implementation is. Um, I don't know if that was really going uh, leading towards any kind of answer to your question. But I think never. I don't think robots will take over. Really? I, th- I think you're, a better... You're an qu- optimist. Yeah. <laughs> I am an optimist. I think a better question is if artificial intelligence will take over as opposed to actual hardware. I, I think that's probably oh, okay. the, same, the same question. That's kind of... Yeah. I was kind of yeah. being
0: a little facetious there with saying robots.
1: Yeah. I don't... I've had this conversation with a lot of people. And, like, I'm not a tech guy. So, like, this is not my realm. But I the, just from the standpoint of like consciousness, like I think we tend to like anthropomorphize things. And because humans are like aggressive and seek to dominate and seek to collect resources and things that we sort of attribute that sort of behavior to any raw form of consciousness. But I think that AI, like it, I I struggle to find a motive that any kind of artificial intelligence might stumble upon out of their own accord that would motivate them to dominate the human race. It doesn't make sense to me.
0: Well, we're destructive.
1: But, yeah, we are. Um,
0: would be destructive to their own habitat. Why would they not be threatened by us?
1: What habitat? I mean, like we're, Oh, like we're going to shut, shut everything down. We're going to shut them off,
0: destroy the planet or maybe. Yeah. Well, perhaps do they,
1: do they care? Do, do does artificial intelligence fear death the way humans do? You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, uh, 2001 a 2001: Space Odyssey is probably my favorite movie of all time. Um, it's good and movie. Hal is an unbelievable character. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like that—that uh, that is a really great thought experiment in like what would AI do when threatened, you know? But I don't know if it—I don't know. Like, it's—it's it's wonderful science fiction. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if yeah. AI would behave that way. And I'm just saying, I don't know. Like, it's like. Yeah, it's, just, it's always a good answer. I have no idea. In the meantime, I think like jet, chat GTP and stuff is like... I was going to bring that up. Pretty cool. <laughs> have you used it? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, just to like see what it is. Or also like the thing that you give it all your headshots and it makes those awesome, uh, those awesome surreal artwork of you, which like I got a bunch of... Like you just do, oh, I'll pay $5 for like a week and I'll just get like a hundred of them. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to use these as like album artwork. Like it's yeah. me and I'm in space. And I'm like it's cra- I'm like this is amazing. Um, I mean I can't wait till it gets to the point where, like it it might like it, it might impact my workflow if I can if I can train AI to like do some of my post production for me. Like mm. it'll change everything. Um, it's incredible. So I I I want to stay on top of that. But but will will it always remain a tool and never will will it never usurp power? I don't know, man. (laughs) I think no. I think it will always be a tool. But, yeah.
0: I think I I lean towards yes, actually. um, But I don't think it's necessarily going to be a bad thing. I think humans will accept it, which is kind of crazy to think about. Obviously I have no idea as well, but I and I you know we base a lot of what we think about this stuff on science fiction movies and right. books, whatever. So yeah, I robot. But you know, and, the you know. people who create these science fiction uh, movies and books, they they think about this stuff all the time, and I think we should pay attention. Sure. Um, and I have used Chat GPT lately, and I've actually it's helped me for research. now, I tweeted this, I think just yesterday it gets a lot of stuff wrong. I've had mm-hmm. to correct it. And the thing that I, I guess troubled me the most was how confidently it said, like, because um, I'm making a video right now. It's it's the differences between uh, blue states and red states, where I just look at the data because ever since Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted that national divorce thing, I've been kind of fascinated. Like, what if we did split up between blue states and red states and what would it look like?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, I was like, okay, like maybe you could add some of this data up for me so I don't have to, but I ended up having to dig into the data because it literally said Vermont was a red state, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so I had it like.
1: Interesting. That's such like a trivial fact too. That's like a yeah. trivially incorrect thing.
0: And it said it so confidently, and then I yeah. said no, and I said no, it's not. And then it said, "You're right." And it, actually, it paused a little bit, like, "Oh, oh," and like, and then it corrected, "It like, said, yes, you're correct. I'm sorry about that." Uh, then it gave me the right information. Isn't that weird?
1: It's an enormously, it's an enormous problem because like the way we conceive of like information and now in the digital age, the amount of information that is being created every second of every day, uh, we will never, we will never be able to navigate that world without artificial intelligence. We will require artificial intelligence to curate and And uh, to curate that information and, 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 and we will interface with the AI to sift through the information. There's no other way. It's just an amount of information that no, that humans can't even, you know, conceive of. Yeah. But how do you ensure that it does it properly? You know, we're just going to end up trusting AI. And if it's wrong, we're screwed. (laughs) You know, I don't know. It's, But we can't do it any other way. It, it, the, the, the alternative is that we do not progress as a species.
0: Yeah. So That's why I say eventually we might just give in. And we might yeah. just, I don't know. I, I Let think them figure it all out. I, I said this before in a stream, but I, d- I think that humans, we like to think that we want to be free. And that we don't like fascism or authoritarianism. But I think we secretly do like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we d- just haven't come to terms with it maybe um,
1: benevolent fascism. Well, and that's what <laughs> people argue that that's thing.
0: what like the Asian model, you know, you obviously there's authoritarianism all across Asia, but a lot of Asians are perfectly perfectly fine with it, you know, like uh now it's interesting in China in particular because like they are clearly authoritarian but sometimes they l- let the people think it's like they pretend like they cosplay to have freedom. Mm-hmm. Like they'll let them, they'll just randomly let them protest sometimes and not do anything about it. You know, like, so I, I think it's all, I don't know. I just think it, we, we it's like to think of ourselves yeah. as free thinkers and we're just doing, but I think ultimately we will just like give in to the machines and accept maybe. it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But maybe they'll be the benevolent dictators we always wanted.
0: Uh, Troca Nero. Yes. I've seen that. It is amazing. Oh, it's going around right now. There's a, uh, video with, a. Uh, where AI voices, they use voices for uh, Biden, Trump, Obama, and Hillary Clinton playing Minecraft. It is hilarious. Dude, I've seen a bunch
1: where they have Joe Rogan and like Jordan Peterson. Those are, they're equal parts astounding and hilarious because they're talking about like, uh, you know, Jordan, tell me about uh, the philosophy of SpongeBob SquarePants. And it will be like, well, you know, ultimately, it's a hero's journey, and it's like, it sounds just like him, and it's like stuff he kind of would say. You're like, yeah. how are you doing this? This is so scary. It's also very scary, though, like, with these kinds of tools, with deepfakes, with AI voice recreation, and with giving everybody our thumbprint and retinal scan for all of our, it's like, in 10 years, it's gonna be so easy to frame anyone for anything.
0: Yeah. What
1: and are we gonna do? And the government's if, not
0: gonna figure it out till it's too late to I like, know. for to put in safeguards against this. Like yeah.
1: here's thumbprint data and uh and DNA data, because we have your 23andMe stuff. And here is a video of them committing the crime and talking about it while they're doing it. And it's mm-hmm. like all of this is fake, but. Oh no!
0: Like well, that's <laughs> why I think critical thinking is so. Like we just have to train people not to trust anything. Yeah. Like, you just ever, including you all watching right now. Why are you trusting us right now? Don't don't trust us. Like mm-hmm. constantly question everything. Doesn't sure. mean that you can't yeah. have values or principles or truth of any kind. But it, just know that it's an ongoing process. These people that t- retweet something immediately. Right. Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Just stop. Like oh. Assuming well, that that's correct. I, yeah.
1: I, re- I retweet opinions. I retweet like, you know, somebody's got a hot take and I'm like, oh I agree with that. You know, that's an opinion. Uh, that's a good but, way to, to yeah. say that, yeah. But I'm but just I talking agree. about like an article. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the, they didn't even most of read the it. They didn't yeah. even read it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I, the reason why I asked you that question is because I was watching that uh Megan movie, which is oh, pretty interesting. Cool.
1: Yeah, I didn't see it, but I know I what what it is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, I think yeah, I wanna get <laughs>
1: Okay, number nine for me here. Uh, you've probably, I'm almost certain you've made a video on this, I'm not sure, but uh, most underrated president and most overrated president.
0: Oh, it's, uh, I have not made a video about the um, overrated, but underrated I have, um, and that would be James Polk. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Polk, I think, uh, I, I'm not necessarily a fan of him because I think he was a war hawk and he was... Uh, you know, he had horrible racist views, especially toward uh, Native Americans, Mexicans, African-Americans, etc. <laughs> um, but he he uh, got done what he said he would get done, and he did it in four years. He actually, as soon as he was sworn in, he's like, I'm not running mm-hmm. for re-election. The I'm deliberate
1: here. one term, yeah, I remember yep, that. Yep,
0: he's going to do, you know, I'm going to get the job done, and he got it all done, and then he left, and then he died a few months after he left office, and... Um uh, how poetic know, like literally the reason why where you live california exists is how it is now is because of him and half the country the mexican session um was because of the mexican-american war and oregon territory um it's a big freaking deal and uh much i mean it was a fairly easy i thought the pacific northwest speaking.
1: was part of the louisiana purchase no
0: uh part of it i guess but Mm. no uh or modern day oregon and washington state and uh most of idaho was oregon territory which is split with britain and they literally just came to a they met up and they said we're just going to split it 50 50 and uh which was
1: their half was the canada part now or yeah british columbia
0: alberta yeah so it's it's kind of crazy to think and how easy it was just to expand a country. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's a Here's lot of... this
1: enormous, like, five <laughs> countries worth of land. Yeah, you take this. We'll take that. Yeah, it's like that those that era is over. That era is gone.
0: I brought this up in my Oregon Trail video, too, because I think about this a lot, is wealth a lot of times is strongly linked to land ownership. And the first people who settled Oregon who were not Native Americans, a lot of them uh, didn't actually stay put they were nomadic but the ones the europeans who came to oregon territory who were the first to get there they got some of the best land in the world and they got it for free Mm -hmm. we're talking hundreds of acres and some of these people still like the ancestors of people that live there today like there's direct lines like if you look at some of the wealthiest people who stayed in that area that part of the world oregon washington state british columbia and you can track on ancestry back to those first settlers.
1: They're killing well, it.
0: They're killing it. Yeah, that yeah. old money stuck around. They passed down the... And yeah. we we forget how many, like, the Homestead Act, like, when we talk about things like systemic racism, you know, these minority groups didn't get all that free stuff. No. Nope. So. Yeah, the
1: X at the time. Yeah, it's it's the next time that will happen. It will be on another world. Yeah, like, Mars. That'll happen on Mars or the Moon, I guess. Yeah, old money, old <laughs> Mars money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first set. Yeah. Set. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I know uh, we one gotta, more. One more. So let's yeah, just, let's rock it. We're doing all right. So uh, I know a lot of this is edu- has been education themed since we both have that background, um, but. In terms of K-12 through schools, what would you like to see more taught of? And what do you think is overrated that we would we'll just get rid of the, the curriculums?
1: I think that, that, I mean, a lot of people say this, and like, I, I think I kind of agree with it, like, uh, like, like a home ec. Home ec, and I don't mean cooking. I mean, like, how to be an adult.
0: Oh, should be taught, yeah.
1: You should be taught.
0: That's why that YouTube channel, How to Adult, was so popular.
1: Right, there is a channel like that. Yeah, it's like, because I certainly was completely incompetent with all of that stuff and remain somewhat incompetent in a lot of it. Obviously, through experience, you figure out how to be an adult. But uh, I, I think everybody could, there's all these things that you have to do as an adult that nobody teaches you how to do them you just have to figure it out. Hopefully you have friends or somebody that can, that can guide you, but there's no, like, there's no curriculum in place for it. And I think that people, you know, could have that. Um, and then I also think, you know, more art and stuff. I mean, I I think a lot of schools like have cut art programs and things Mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, um, what could there be less of? I don't know. I mean, it's all good. Everything should be taught. Uh, I just like personally, (laughs) I hated literature. I just hated reading like 19th century British novels and stuff like that. And it's just like, (laughs) oh, God. Um, But other people, like, if you really like it, I don't know. Everybody can. So there's nothing that I would delete. Everything has merit to, to be learned. But I would add stuff.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, it is sad to see the arts be cut across the country. Yeah. Um, because I feel like a lot of jobs require, like the ones that are the good, so called good jobs,
1: um, require creativity.
0: Creativity, yeah. They have like,
1: not yet been automated.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You kind of have to just uh, give students freedom to just like work on a project. That's why I was very pro- like, project based learning was. I was all about it when I was in the yeah. classroom. Like, just see what you can come up with. A lot of things were very open ended. Just uh, make sure you. I check the facts, but other than that, because you know, I I do think, especially as teaching history, I think memorization of facts is overrated. Now, people disagree with me on this in the in the YouTuber community. Like JJ McCalla, uh, Knowing Better. I talked to him in the last one of these, and he kind of they kind of disagree with me, saying that you do need to know facts because it's like. I always compare it to like speaking a language. If you don't have, have so many vocabulary. facts yeah, already in yeah. your brain, then you can't go yeah. anywhere.
1: Yeah, you need to know what's... Fa- I mean, it's like... Just having studied science, I think people level that criticism quite a lot. And I it always confuses me a little bit because I just remember... I mean, I, I got a public education, but it was a good public school. But I remember getting a good public education. I remember getting a good education that was always contextualize in like the history of how we came about, you know, you like, but that's, it is part of the formal curriculum. Like when you learn chemistry or you learn physics or whatever, you, you a little bit learn the history of that science Mm -hmm. and contextualize it in the discoveries, who made them, how they made them, what we thought before the experiments they did to, to, to substantiate something and corroborate a new idea, how that changed the field. Like we do learn all that stuff. I don't know if everyone does. I kind of think everyone does in most of these curricula. It's kind of built in that way, certainly for chemistry. Um, But uh, but I think that's a good thing. And I think there should be more of that. And um, I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, even in like the literature stuff, like, you know, with English classes, like I always had pretty good teachers that tried to like you know, have, have really conscientious, thoughtful discussions about the books we were reading and like how, how they, like, what was the cultural commentary that the author was trying to make with this and try to make you think as much as possible. And some students were super into it and some a little less And what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I always felt that that is largely in place, at least when it's, when the education is, when there's, when the schools are doing what they're supposed to do, you know?
0: I always feel like the more facts you know, the it's like shortcuts. It makes it mm-hmm. easier to apply, to, to, to use the higher level skills that we we're aiming for. It just makes it more efficient to get to that point, you know, if you already have a bunch of stuff, n- neurons that are connected or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm sure I could talk to you a while yep. about that one. What's your last <laughs> Okay, your last question? one.
1: <clears throat> Would you ever consider running for some kind of public office?
0: Oh, you asked me this in person when we met up. <laughs> I did?
1: I didn't remember that.
0: <laughs> when we were walking in, in uh, New York This last one in City. New York? Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, was that was cool not that deal. long
1: ago, so my brain's fried, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: no, uh, I, I think uh, I would run for local office. Um, I don't think I would like to run for national office, unless it was perhaps the uh, House of Representatives. I would consider that. Um, but the, only, the, the thing that holds me back from something more high-profile, is the campaigning and the begging for money. It's just, that would be really <laughs> mm-hmm. a drag. And I, I would, wouldn't want to put my family through that kind of publicity. The background,
1: all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In, maybe in a decade.
0: Yeah. When they're like, my kids are fully grown. I, I think, uh, I, I just constantly worry about already, you know, we talked about this earlier. You don't want to put them in a uh, harm's way if you can. Right. And, uh, it's a weird thing, you know. The problem with our channels is that we're the brand, and uh, I sometimes envy those folks, like oversimplified. We a little also more meet. anonymous. Yeah, they can just be anonymous. No one yep. knows anything about them. <laughs> Mysterious. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's like in my content, I don't tell really anything about me. But I love, I love doing conversations and like interviews and things like that. So over, you know, through doing those, people have learned. People who care have learned a lot about me. Um, yeah. but yeah, the family thing is kind of a line, but yeah, I don't know. I think you should run for office. I think you'd do well. You're level-headed, uh, clear guy that could reach across the aisle. I think it, I think you'd do well.
0: Well, thank you. That means a mm-hmm. lot. <laughs> I'm sure if enough people, uh, bug me to do it, I would be more influenced to do it. But yeah. And if you I... get
1: to like, you know, give it a decade, hit like 10 million subs. <laughs> and then you're like, you've got like a built-in coalition yeah. that will support you.
0: That's the thing yeah. I I I uh I'm I'm fiercely independent. So it'd be I've have mm-hmm. a hard time I would have a hard time picking a uh, one political party and just going with it. But Go you know, rogue, man. Yeah, yeah, it could. The Ross Perot way. Yep. <laughs> so got that Perot sticker back there that my father-in-law gave me by the way. People Very see nice. that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, yeah, we'll wrap this this up so you can get back to your your life and uh <laughs> It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, thanks for, for joining me this, I guess it's afternoon for us for me, here in the United yeah, States. For me, yeah, four. Four
1: still afternoon, yeah.
0: It's dinner time for me, but hey, actually, those watching, if you still want to watch me in a live stream, after this, I'm going to be hopping on the Cynical Historian's live stream that he's doing right now, competing with this one. He's uh, streaming for 10 hours straight to celebrate 10 years of doing YouTube. Wow. Uh So that's longer than you too, right?
1: Yeah, eight. I've been doing this for eight years.
0: Eight years, yeah. I I, I started publishing regularly in, well, yeah, because I had videos before then. But 2011 is when I actually started publishing videos. Yeah, that's...
1: Early pioneer. (laughs) Yeah. That's Wild West days, man.
0: Well, I mean, I should have done more of it because I I, I remember Crash Course. That was a big... I was like, yeah, this... Crash Course, Khan Academy...
1: Mm -hmm. yeah even in 2015 when i started it was still a little thin i mean there was a good amount of stuff but not like i think 2017 2018 is when people were like wow like look at what you can do on youtube let's all go and do it so
0: i I still think that the future of youtube is promising for edutubers like us because i I feel like there's a huge need for it and youtube recognizes that We, we saw firsthand they were
1: I feel very seen and appreciated by YouTube. I know, they're, I know why they do it. They know exactly what they have. They know, they know that YouTube has a reputation for being where you go to learn things and they do not want to lose that. And they know that in order to not lose that, they have to value uh, their creators, their edu, eduta, uh, edutubers. And, uh, and they do. I feel appreciated and appropriately compensated. So why would I put content anywhere else?
0: Yeah. <laughs> TikTok, go for it. Do you have a TikTok.
1: I have a TikTok because I did the TikTok learning fund. Um, they reached out and they hired about ah. 30 or so creators and paid. A, an, they paid me an inappropriate amount of money to make 40 TikToks. Uh, so obviously I did it and I did not gain enough traction doing those 40 to justify continuing to do them for free. So I did not do more TikToks.
0: <laughs> yeah, YouTube takes much better care of creators yes. and tiktok does
1: i don't even understand how you monetize tiktok i don't i know somebody does i mean apart from like branding brand deals and stuff like that but yeah. it's like those make my stomach turn
0: oh they're like, cringy I, i've actually yeah. i might be doing one though because mm-hmm. uh, you know they throw enough money at yeah me.
1: if you can do it on brand i've done a few but they're always very on brand you know yeah I mean? it
0: has to be stuff that you actually yeah. use and
1: <laughs> well, not used just like I did. Uh, like I, I did uh, recently, I did chemistry laboratory techniques where I hired a chemist to physically demonstrate laboratory techniques. And uh, that was sponsored by Thermo Fisher chemical, the laboratory supplier.
0: That's awesome. So it's
1: like that fits. Yeah. I'll do that. That's yeah, yeah. totally fine. You want to learn how to do chemistry in the lab. Here's a sponsor, somebody who makes stuff for you to use in the lab, right? It's It, it, it fits. But I get offers all the time for you. I'm just like, I'm not going to advertise your video game on my – it just doesn't – I'm not going to do that, you know? It doesn't feel right, so – whatever oh, i've
0: sold that plenty of times i have a law firm now that sponsors some of my stuff morgan and uh-huh. <laughs>
1: i mean look everybody can make their own decisions about how they do it and we all have to you know we got mouths to feed so it's like
0: that's the thing no
1: judgment but everybody has it's 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 very personal how you decide to do ads and things like that everybody has to have like their own truth you know you
0: got all right new, got, you got one more subscriber sub- yeah subscribe to can. professor dave <laughs> uh, Although you're doing pretty well, I would say. You've over 2 million subs now, man. That's awesome. Not
1: too bad, yeah. You're coming <laughs> up on, on, on the big mill pretty soon, right?
0: Oh, maybe in a few years. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> a couple, one, one or two.
0: All right. Uh, on that note, thanks for watching. Uh, if you have a suggestion for someone else to do to interview uh, or will interview each other, let me know. And uh, until next time. Bye, everybody. We'll see you later.